Andrew McGahan here for Severe MMA. The pride of Limerick, the young man named Sean Sheehan. The Severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 68 of the Severe MMA podcast is finally here. You're very welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Andrew McGann here, joined, as always, by Limerick's favourite son, the apple of my eye. It is Mr. Sean Sheehan, ladies and gentlemen. Sheehan. What's the haps? The haps. Oh, he's, he's continuing the hip-hop trend, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. After the word up last week, Sean Sheehan but has gone full 1990 hip-hop on us here. It went down well last week. I got it, a few compliments oh, on it, so I said I might as well bring did. it back. Yeah. I might have to bring back the word up, actually. Somewhere in the podcast. Well, maybe, 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 maybe next week, maybe a couple of weeks down the line, you know, keep them guessing. You know, like throughout this, the history, throughout 36 episodes, Sean, there has been a nice hip hop influence on the, on the podcast, you know, even, even back to when I stole Jordan Breen's term from a Cheap Seats episode in 2013 of Real Recognized Real, yeah. you know, that, and that took off in the Irish MMA community. I'm pretty sure that uh, I was the trailblazer there. What about the Eminem concert? That's also a, a very, very uh, active point. I'd say that's featured in a, nearly a quarter of all our episodes at this stage. I'd say more. I'd say more, actually. Actually, speaking of music, I was watching Soccer M there just before we started, and I never knew Graham was in Kasabian. I thought you were going to say Graham had the Soccer M connection. And I was oh, like, yeah? I was, yeah, because I was talking with uh, Joe, Joe McColgan about that at the weekend because Graham's uncle works in the same company as Joe up in Belfast. All right. And they were chatting, he's like, oh, you do MMA, blah, blah, blah. It's like, my nephew has a big uh, website, and then he found out it was severe MMA. <laughs> so, there you go. Um, but no, I don't know what when you're on about from Kasabian. If you, the lead singer? No, uh, maybe oh, look, it's, 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 like, I like Kasabian as well, That's I should yeah. know. He's the head off him. Hold on, let's send you a picture from here. The head off him. While you're getting <laughs> up that picture, Sean, I'm going to tell everyone about our great sponsors. OROSNutrition.com They are an absolutely brilliant supplement company Big friends of the podcast here um, We heartily endorse all of their products They're an Irish company A couple of dedicated Irish lads to the cause We, um, I just got that there So I'll look in a second Head on over to their website OROSNutrition.com Everything is broken down specifically for your needs They've got a whole range of products From pre-workouts, post-workouts, recovery drinks Amino acids, tablets Loads of different recipes and treats on the website as well. If you're a GAA player, a soccer player, a cyclist, a martial artist, that's fine. Everything is broken down to suit your needs by category. If you're just in the gym, you want to tone up for summer, get your I beat the bod ready. If you're uh, looking to lean out, if you're looking to bulk up, they have every single product you could need as well. It's a very, very tasty. Sean, what were we talking about last week? The BCAAs. Mm. Drink them during training. I have been doing it throughout the week and I competed at the weekend. So I'll tell you a little bit more about that later on. But um, head on over to orsnutrition.com. It gets much better though, Sean. Because yeah. once you put everything in the co- cart, once you're about to check out and you're thinking, oh, Jesus, wouldn't I love a discount? Do you know the way when you get to the cart and you're like... That's weird. I was actually doing that last night somewhere else. I was like, oh, I wish I had 25% off. I have, like, Domino's generally have great deals during the week. And I hate to go from fitness to Domino's here. But I have quite regularly, like, Googled, like, the latest Domino promotional codes and different things like that. You can always find them online. There's always, like, codes knocking about online for different websites. If you're looking for one for OS Nutrition, then I know a guy. I know the one. Yeah, who? Severe MMA, all in capital letters, will get you 25% off your very first order with OS Nutrition. Legends. 
Very, very much so. Very much so. Absolute top men. Go and follow them on all their social medias as well. Search ORS Nutrition. And uh, when you're checking out, remember to put in the code SEVEREMMA for 25% off your first order. So, Ba-boom. on that. Go on, so tell us how you got that. Okay, yeah. So, British Open. Uh, very big tournament over in Coventry. I may as well... Will I start with my woes from the night before at Bama? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, okay. We were so, talking about Bama later on as well, so... Um, well, it's just it goes with the story, I suppose. Okay, we we got in on on Saturday, and we got to our hotel. Joe McColgan, now officially Irish MMA's most fussiest traveler, checked his bed for bed bugs. Went out, bought an iron, because he didn't trust the steam press thing in the room because it was probably sake. dirty. Um, was just very very funny about the whole thing. Then what, what you want an iron for? What? Um, well, he had a shirt because we were going to go to Bama. So he didn't want to wear a, a creased shirt to Bama. For fuck's sake. Hang it up. <laughs> He's a great man. No, no, it was, it was in 100 doubles. Like. I've never ironed anything in my whole life. Really? No, never. Why? Like, just a bit of creases. Who cares? People care. <laughs> Nobody cares. I've never looked at anyone and gone, oh, look, his fucking shirt is all creased. It's Who creased. cares? Oh, no. Disagree. Well, <laughs> then again, my red and black doesn't get ironed too much. Yeah, that's that. You have the creasy look going on with that, though. Yeah, you? but that's okay. Yeah. Um, so go go to that. Uh, one of our teammates, Carl, had competed that day. He had rented a car as well for his time there. So he hopped in the car to go get food. Joe left his bag in the boot. Turns out the rental car. Joe didn't take the bag out of the boot. So we were in the room debating on uh, when we were going to head down to Bama. Then get the text from your man saying that. The bag was in the boot and it was going to be left at the airport for Joe behind the checkout desk. So instead of going straight to Bama, we had to go to the airport first to get his bag because the the stall closed at half ten at night. By the time we got to the arena, the Barclay Card Arena for Bama, it was like trying to get into a concert like with three songs left. Do you know that sort of thing? I was WhatsApp and news. Uh, I couldn't. Jude had left tickets for us. Couldn't get through to him on the phone because the event was in full swing. Obviously, he wasn't checking his phone. Um, they wouldn't let us in at the box office. And then one of Graham's favorite, one of my favorite stories about Graham is whenever we, whenever we're traveling somewhere, and he gets into hassle like with people, he just goes nuts at them. Like <laughs> y- usually not to them, but just going on about people in a pos- being given a position of power and just using it because they can. And it's yeah. like same. I was just like, look, is there any chance you can get someone from the promotion down? We're meant to be here. Like I was saying, like Matt Bourne, even if you got him. Uh, Jude Samuel, like these guys, Dave Hill, they know that we're that we were going to be coming, that there was someone going to be coming, and they're like, "No, mate, no, sorry, not getting anyone from the promotion, all of that stuff." And I was just like, "Right, good luck." I just didn't want to start. Like it was, it was bad. So we were hanging outside around the va- uh, around the venue. Alan Philpot and the lads come out, shot an on-scene video with uh, Mister Philpot responding to Tom Dukenwalk calling him out, maybe for sometime later on in the year. Then Keen Cowley strolls out. Turns out he had an extra couple of passes. We could have just got them off him. He gave me his one. Went around the back door. Strolled in the back door. Um, passed everyone. But sure, had the pass on, so it was fine. Into the media room. And the only reason I wanted to go in was to find Jude to apologise to him for like ringing him 15 times that night and having not, array- and having not gotten there on time earlier. So Joe McColgan's fully at blame for that. Then didn't get back to our hotel until about quarter past 12 at night. Uh, competed the next day. Got to the quarterfinals, submitted my first two opponents pretty quickly, and then got rear- a uh, bow and arrow choke and a triangle. 
Nice. First and second match, 51 seconds and one minute and 40 in the second. So that was pretty good. Then got rear naked choked, or like in my mouth. It was really sore. My mouth still cut up and bloodied. Going on Nelson uh, side. Yeah, like literally, like not even on my chin, like forearm going into my open mouth. It was, I should have had a gum shield on. I may have been able to last a little bit longer, but um, aside from that, very good. There was a guy there, though, that I actually really dislike after watching him. He won my division. Yeah. Yeah, he just. Came out Jealousy, and kept yeah. like pulling 50 50 guard, just trying to get to 50 50 and footlock people. Stalled and, then, stalled and then put on like really, really damaging footlocks. Like he hurt four people in the division, like either popped their foot or like hurt their knee and stuff like that. Yeah. And it was just playing a really sly jiu jitsu game. Like it was, I don't think anyone wanted to see it. And his, he had like five coaches that maybe were family member, like that had coaches' passes right at the barrier that were like screaming at the referee when the other guy, they were saying it was an illegal move even though your man was the one pretty much dislocating knees through legal footlocks. So. What's wrong with that? I just, it's, you Ryan know, Hall's I, made a career out of it. Look, I would find it very hard to know that I beat someone in a jiu-jitsu tournament and stop them from uh, going to work the next day or stop sure. them from training the next morning. Is it their responsibility to tap? Yeah, but sometimes a move, like my, uh, my teammate Paul McCourt was tapped with a footlock as well and he said it was just he was fine, he was fine, it was fine. It was defending the Was your man the holding on too long, like, or what? Uh, he wasn't holding on longer than that, but it was like, it was more the way that he was setting them up. You cannot feel a footlock coming on, or you cannot feel the pop about to happen, and then you pop your knee or you pop your foot. He said something in his, like, in his shin popped. He can't walk today either. So. It's a dog eat dog world, Andrew. It's a dog eat dog world, mate. In it. Speaking of dog eat dog. Well, not doggy dog. Yeah. I was in. I uh, people people know I was in fucking Cork during the week, up to the. Uh, I was above in the airport. Patrick was dropping off her his wife. She was going off on holidays, and it was it was just I was sitting there like outside the airport, and the Anderson Silva news broke about him being pulled out, pulled out, and uh, some some other news broke. I was odd, uh, but you see. You know, for sale, maybe, which we'll talk about later on. But I was just like sitting there, like, oh, this is the life, isn't it? This is what everyone wants. This is what, what people govern media. This is what they want to do, isn't it? Like sitting, sitting outside in an airport, yeah, yeah. writing up articles. Couldn't get through to Graham, <laughs> writing up articles. But it, it was all okay because I got this breakfast brioche there. And it was the most beautiful thing I've ever had in my whole life. Really? Yeah. Oh, it was f- delicious. It was like it was like a breakfast. All the stuff you'd have in a breakfast roll, right? But... No, it actually, I take that back. No, it was rasher sausages, right? Covered in cheese. And then there was this, it, it's like, imagine if you could get an, an egg burger made out of, um, made out of uh, scrambled eggs. But like scrambled eggs usually fall apart, but it was like kept in a burger, but it was still soft and stuff. So was it scrambled oh, it eggs delicious. like baked into the bread? No, but no, it was actually scrambled eggs like as in the roll kind of. It was okay. like, you know, it was just laid into it, but it wasn't wet or anything, but it was like soft. Oh, it was the most delicious thing. It was in a, it was a brioche kind of bun thing. It was kind of like sweet. Oh, it was delicious. I've never had anything like it in my whole life. It was lovely. Maybe we I'm should fly to out back of Cork next time just for the laugh. Yeah. Just to get one of just them. Just to get one of them, yeah. Out. Definitely. But I was reminiscing about my, my college years in Cork. I miss it so much. It was deadly. Cork. Driving through, driving through my old uh, haunts. The hood, the hood, the hood. Whenever yeah. I'm driving through Ballymun, I do the same thing. I always go past the place that I lived in Dublin, just to be like, ah, there it is. Great. It was, it was a pity. It was the middle of the night. We were going. To, actually, it was it worked out well because we were going to go to Jackie, Jackie Linux's for some, uh, for some fucking chips. But it was no, too late. No, you could have got a KC's. I don't even. I've never even heard of KC's. What? Until you 
Jackie Lennox is the place in Cork. Come on. Uh, well, I, I can't comment, but I have been in KC's twice, and it is absolutely unbelievable. I don't That's think true. I was there with Dave. I think I was there with Barry the second yeah. time after the last Cage Kings. Cork has loads of lovely oh, chips. Sorry, Severe MMA doesn't go to there. I would have the Istanbul as well in Cork and Dinos They're actually Cork is a pound for pound best chippers in the world I reckon with Jackie Lennox as being the best Jackie Lennox is, is the John Jones of chippers really is beautiful it's the type of you know it's one of those chippers where you walk in the door and you roar your order out from behind like 20 other people uh, in the queue that's what KC's is as well Cork is a great place I, like, if I had to leave anywhere a lot of people that would here, agree with you on that Cork. yeah and they're all it's way nicer Cork. than Dublin. Like it's, <laughs> it's way nicer than Dublin. Just a better all-around place. Oh, I don't know about that. That's even better than Limerick. Like, I'm not even going to lie. What? You know, it is. Yeah, Cork is great. You're I a traitor. No, well, it's better. Than, I don't live in Limerick City, so it's better than Limerick City. I can say that. Limerick City. That's Limerick City. Um. Any more crack? Any more of you? No, that that was it. Really good home late last night. Uh, also, I have one semi-good story, I suppose. Go on. I have a very good uh, reputation of, like, getting out of car parks without having to pay for them, okay? Now, <laughs> what? Anchor, go on. What? Uh, were you on your phone at the time when you did that, driving out? No, no. I didn't. I know. I said I have a very good reputation, but I yes, know, no, last no. night I was faltered. I was scuppered, oh. unfortunately. So we flew out of Belfast City Airport, flew back into Belfast International Airport, had to get a lift back over to collect our cars. Oh, we, man. Is that two different Belfast airports? Yes, there's two, for some reason there's two airports in Belfast. Really? I yeah, never knew I, that. Like, absolutely mind-boggling why there is, but look. And they're both, maybe it's because they're both as small. Is one of them George Best? Yes. The George Best airport. Yeah, there. that's the one I flew out of. I um, never knew there was two. Yeah, me neither, until recently enough. So when it came to, came to that, uh, foolishly enough, the two of us parked there. It wasn't until I was driving into the long-term car parks, long-stay car park, that I realised... Thirty-six pounds sterling for twenty-four hours parking there, Sean. Very dear. Very that dear. is ridiculous. And for this, like, that is a crime. Like, there's definitely a human right violated there. Yeah, it is. It is ridiculous. That is a first-world problem. Yeah. And this, so I was like, right, okay, I don't care. We'll think about it when we get home. We worry about it when we get home. I'll definitely be able to drive out behind your car, or I'll just drive over barriers. <laughs> like, I like, I'll, it's always so easy to do it. So we were examining the car park by the time we got back and we were standing near the barriers and we were like examining the barriers because it said there was instructions on it that you could pay with credit card by putting your credit card into the machine after you've put the ticket in. Do you know that sort of way? So I was saying to Paul, I was like, okay, if there is a camera on us here, we'll just keep looking at this sign here, act as if nothing's going on. Uh, Look, oh, look, debit card, blah, blah, blah. But I'd say that's a slow barrier. I could go behind you and we'll split the cost. Now, then a car comes up. A security car pulls up. Uh, when I, I had brought my car up to the gate, we were going to leave it there, go up, validate the tickets and come back. And he was like, are you okay, lads? And he was like, can we put the card in? And no, you have to go up to the terminal. And I was like, and cash? He's like, yeah, terminal. And then he turned his engine off and sat there. And then as me and Paul were walking up, we realized that there there was cameras at the end, do you know, like that would probably check your reg when you're yeah. going in and out. And then I thought, oh wait, they heard every single word of that. Because when you press the help for assistance button on a thing, yes. you don't, that's an open microphone. You don't have to like press anything. So I was standing next to the barrier detailing my escape plans at length 
effectively talking to the man at the other end of the screen. <laughs> and it was the worst. And but then we found out, I think, as well that the air, that car park closes. We were the last two looking to leave because it closes at a certain time. But he was hanging around till we left because it should have already been closed. So I think it actually could have been that as well. Let me tell you about the polar opposite to that car park. The best car park in the world is in Killarney, right? In I, th- I think it's a train station, but there's like an outlet centre there as well and a kind of a shopping centre. But So when you're going in, right, you can buy um, a ticket for like two hours or like I think three hours or maybe just an hour and stuff, right? So it's like, it's cheap enough. I think it's like three euros or something for two hours, something like that. But when you're going out, you can like hand your ticket to the next person and all, everyone does it there. So like if I went in, you have to buy. I think you have to buy a minimum of two hours. So if I if, and it's like I don't know, three euros. So if I went in, I wanted to get like something in the shop. I have to pay three euro to park there. Twenty minutes later, I could walk out, and then like hand it out my window to the next person walking in, so then they don't have to pay for it, so ah. they can park there for an extra hour and twenty minutes. And everyone does it. Like it's 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 one of the best things. I like it's humans being kind. I love it. I did that the other day actually when I was getting into the car and leaving a car park. A, a girl pulled up beside me she had her kid as well and she was on her way over and I was like here there's 50 minutes left on that like I'm away and she's like thanks so much and I was like a nice act of kindness nice, you know yeah. improve that lady's day are people great yeah I am thanks yeah, uh, yeah. anyway so since it is all about me and all about our egos uh, I think we have a little thing we have to address as well <laughs> we do indeed yeah um, that was a joke s- by the way <laughs> well dead right yeah um we, yeah, we have to address it. We put a post about it on on the Instagram, uh, Facebook page the other day. Social media uh, channels. Social media channels, indeed. It's about UXC event, which was due to take place next Saturday, was it? But this it's, Saturday. It's actually since been cancelled. But um, yeah, look, there was basically it's not right, basically yeah. as a media outlet, it's the equivalent of the UFC Dublin happening next year. And MMAfighting.com having to run all of their content ideas and what they wanted to do with their coverage through severe MMA as opposed to the UFC. The problem here is Graham rang up the promoter and he he asked, is this true? And he said, yeah, if you you are going to have to go through this other media outlet, uh, you know, to tell, to tell understand what coverage you're going to be allowed to do right so graham rang him up and he said that the promoter said that to him right that's not on right the problem here is go having to go through that other media outlet they can do what they want if they want to release a dvd that's fine that's nothing got to do with us if they want to put up you know if they're if the promoter allows allows them to do that perfectly fine no problem at all the problem we have is having to go through them to tell them what we have we're going to do at the event that's not on Right, as you said, it's like Ariel Helwani having to come up to me or you or Graham to, to you know, to tell him what you're going to do at uh, at UFC Dublin. It's like him having to go, you know, uh, go to you know um, MMA Junkie John and tell him what he's going to have to do at UFC 190 or something like that. That you know that can't can't happen. That as you said, it's a complete conflict of interest, and that's not the way we do things, right? If other people think, oh, that's okay, what, what are you talking about? You know, this is just the way it is. Look, we're, you know, we're helping out here and things. We want to do things properly. And if we can't do things properly, we're not going to do them. Like, that's the way Syria may have always been. And that's the way we'll continue to be. Right. And, and there's no, you know, there's no one going to change us. That's 100% true. And I think that the fact that when the statement was released, just to put it out there, because we were, uh, 
because it's such a, a not done thing, we like it had to be addressed. Okay. Yeah. The support that Severe MMA got. The support that Severe MMA got for making that decision from the local community, from the uh, national community, like as a North and South and whole, and like people coming up to me and asking me about it, and then also from the international MMA community. For guys like Ariel Helwani and Dave Doyle and uh, Greg Savage and different media members who are paid and the best in this game to be able to realise because they know, because they are at the top of the game, that this does not happen, that this should not happen. For them to be able to recognise that, excuse me to keep dragging up the hip-hop references, Sean, but real recognise real. I was talking to Graham today before we started. Severe MMA has never, never made money from an Irish MMA show. Not once, ever. The amount of money we'd earn from covering this UXC show wouldn't pay for Dave Fogarty's petrol to collect you. That, that's, that's a fact. And Sean, we acted even professional from there. We put out one statement. Yeah, we did not it. reply. Our name was being yeah. dragged up and down through the mud. Lies being posted. And the support of the Irish MMA community coming out and saying, actually, this isn't right. You know, being a journalist and being a media outlet, right? And, we, you know, we... I've talked before and I've said it myself and I've even done it myself. Don't go too quickly too soon. There's people out there, you know, they've been doing it three months and they're calling themselves journalists or they've been doing it six months and, you know, we're the leading media outlet and all this. Hold your horses now. Come on. We've been doing this for years. Like, you've been interviewing fighters for years, applying for credentials. Like, uh, even even me and I'm newer to it than all of you. I've like I've been going to Cage Warrior shows for years. I've been covering you like I've covered every UFC uh, event in writing and in the podcast for the last what maybe four years. PT has been going to shows for years. Was interviewing people for Graham Before has been I running. Showed up to yeah, show up Graham, shows. Graham has been running. Yeah, Graham has been running this website for years. Like I've been basically running the website with Graham as well for like the last year and a half, maybe posting stuff. And like we. You think this just happens like you don't just this doesn't just happen like this. We put in effort. We speak about it like nothing goes up on that side. You know, OK, maybe like an embedded or something without myself and Graham discussing that or without maybe Graham probably ring up Pete or ring up you. Like myself, I'm going to speak every day about things that are going up on the website. Like someone uh, emailed me last week uh, about putting up an article. And I got onto Graham. We both read it. We both talked about it, and we, we eventually put it up. But that, uh, hundreds of people have emailed in, and they haven't gone up. Things, you know, how many? How, you know, we could have made money probably out of five Mayweather and uh, Conor McGregor articles. But did you see any answer you made in the last two weeks? No, nope. none, none. And it, we're going out being accused here of, oh, you're only after the money and stuff. That's fucking bullshit. That's bullshit. We've actually taken a hit and not got money just to stay a good website and say uh, somewhere people will want to come and look we, you know we have tried to keep away from this clickbait bullshit and to you know to be accused of it is a joke and if someone's accusing us of that we call we, we'll answer they, back what are they they're a fucking joke let's be honest there <sighs> so in closing summarize we're looking for the too long didn't read version from a reddit thread into this podcast to summarize yeah I'll, I'll just one one last thing before okay. we we were one other thing we were also accused of is not being media right which I've just touched on there because 
uh, we weren't at a show, um, a riot. Oh, cert- certain shows, yeah. Right? Oh, but you weren't here, you weren't there. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you finish up and I'll contribute on that. Specific, ri- the specific riot show that was brought up was the same weekend as Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz when everyone was out and when all of you were out in, um, in Vegas and I was running the website from home, right? Come on. How how petty can you be like you you and Dave and Graham and Pete and even me a couple of things have been covering local MMA shows, Bama, uh, Cage Warriors, all these shows for years. Like even putting in work, I cover every UFC card. We cover Bellator. We cover, you know, are we how uh, we were said is that media? We were uh, are we media? We do, that's what we were. That, that's what it was asked about us. Are we media? When we cover all of these cards, put in good work, put in actual analysis, do actual interviews, do everything like that. We're not the ones who are going, trying to be a PR team for an organization. If we wanted to be a PR team, we'd have to stop being a media outlet. You cannot be both. Look at Paul Dollery. When he left, he was was a PR man for for Cage Warriors, did a great job. Wrote and, and was a writer. At yeah, that but, stage as well. Could, no, not for anyone else, but he yeah. was uh, fully qualified and fully capable of being a full-time writer. Well, when he went and covered, yeah, but when he went and he became a journalist for, where is it, the score.ie? The 42. Or the 42, yeah, sorry. That job was gone. He didn't take a journalist job until uh, he was stopped being a PR man, right? Which is the right way to do it. Right. If Dave Schaller working for UFC now wanted to write, go and be a journalist, he'd have to a journalist. He'd have to leave his job as a PR man. If I wanted to go and work for, say, if Bama offered me a job or offered you a job or offered Graham a job, do you think we could still work with Severe and May and say, "Oh, I'm a journalist. I'm covering this. You know, I'm, it's it's fair. I'm covering it fairly." No, that that just doesn't happen. And you might work. as well be clear, Sean, because Graham has been offered jobs in the past helping promotions. Yeah, I've been I- offered a job by promotion as well. Exactly. Uh, between Irish and or otherwise, like there have been offers, and it's like no, I and it's not like no, I'm not doing it. No, I can't do it because I'd yeah. have to stop severe MMA. But if, if you choose not to do, it, you could do it if you wanted, but you'd have to leave. But there's just one more thing as well. I have that, one more thing too. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's fair enough. Like because I I don't blame the promoter too much in in this instance because promoters on that level. Don't, they don't really know like what's right and what's wrong to be honest like we've been as I said we've been covering media for a long time there's media outlets out there who don't haven't been doing that long they're trying their best fair enough but they don't know what's right and wrong we, like we know we like we've spoken to better outlets than us like we're good friends with a lot of the big outlets I've spoken to Graham's spoken to them. you know PC is a journalist degree everything goes through all of us right um and I don't don't blame the promoter too much because they don't have that knowledge, but they can find that knowledge. Like I, Graham's phone's always open. You could ring Graham and go, Graham, what should I do? What do you think? And I tell, I bet you he'd tell you. Like, and he, you know, you, or you could ring me, or you could ring you, or you could ring Petey. I bet Devil, you. Devil's answer. advocate there. You know I mean? It's not. Uh, it's not Graham's job even to do that. Do you know? No, but no, if but a promoter I, did ring him, he would. Uh, yeah. He would be like, yeah, he'd just say what he thinks they should do. Exactly. Like, you should go to the people with the knowledge for the advice. Like, and uh, you know. There's a lot of people trying to dupe people around here as well, and I, you know, that's that's not a good thing. You should, you know, it's very, you know, you need to be very careful about these sort of things. Go on. Just on the, just throwing back because I didn't bring it up at the time, and I had to bring it up at the time. At Battlezone, a couple of weeks before that, I had been asked to move from where I was sitting, cage side, move myself, move Barry Quayle, and move Dave Fogarty 
because that is a ladder needed to be set up there in front of the largest portion of seats that were set out in the arena as well, by the way. So you would have been blocking the paying fans for no, with no consideration of that to record a DVD because the official, the words were, we're recording the official DVD for Andy. Okay? Yeah. I said, I'm not moving. You're blocking the crowd. And if Andy Ryan wants you to, uh, wants you to go here and record, I will happily move. But I won't move until it comes from his mouth or Stephen Lowry's mouth. No problem, I'll go get him right now. And I didn't see any of them for the rest of the night. I asked him afterwards, I said, look, I'm sorry about that earlier on. I wasn't moving. And he said, about what? And I said, the official DVD. What official DVD was the response? Yeah, and the thing is, look, that's, you know, that affecting you because of what happened there. What did you explain there? But if they don't want to do that, let them do that. That's the promoter's, you know, that's the promoter's issue, not our issue, right? You, and it was okay in that instance because it was obviously affecting you. But we have, you know, people are saying, oh, competition is good. We, you know, we're afraid of, oh, what competition? You know, competition is fine. We're like, we friends with everyone that covers um, MMA around here. Like, uh, yourself and... Niall McGrath from Talker Balls were hanging out over in, over in uh, Rotterdam, aren't you? Niall I, and I consider, are great friends. I consider Niall a close personal yeah. friend. I consider Stephen Lowry a close friend. Um, I get on very well, although he doesn't uh, be at the... He's working full-time now. But Figo Farrell was a guy who was always at the events yeah. uh, coming up. Andy Cowan, who's starting up, who's started up a new website recently. We see all of these guys. We interact with them. We have for years. We will continue to do for, so for years. And competition is brilliant. So yeah, the thing is, so like you know, they're saying, oh, you know, there's a lot of this stuff about oh, Severe May think you know they think they're better than everyone else and all. Yeah, how come Severe May then are like we're friends with Ariel Helwani and we're friends with you know I've been friends with him for years. I've been friends with Jeremy Bader for years. Like I've I've talked to like Ben Fox before. I've spoken to him loads of different people. Like how like you you're good friends with Greg Savage. You've spoken to him loads of times. You know. How do these things happen? Like, you know, <laughs> how is Peter Carroll's arrival in Vegas the most anticipated thing of any <laughs> yeah. UFC fight week? Like, it's as if you know, it's as if Severe May some poison that you know, if you touch it, you're you know dead. Like that, that's not how things work. Like, I wasn't always with Severe May. Like, I I went to Vince and covered events. Yeah, before first I was with time Severe I May. met you was you were writing uh, for a hove. Yeah. Like and he didn't, he didn't hate me. Like, come on, I know I've been on the other side of it. Like, I, you know, I never felt anything but good things were. Like, these because it's are, impossible you know, for Graham not to talk to someone. <laughs> yeah. That as well, just well, how are you? Yeah, but look, we've no problem. Like, it's a, it's unfortunate the event has been cancelled. I was rapidly cancelled after, after all this stuff. Like, and it, I hope you know, I hope we that, didn't have any influence on it or anything. Like, but. No, no, we didn't. In fairness, no, there was a, there's no. an epidemic of pullouts in Irish MMA yeah. at the moment. Guys, not, the new medical standards and maybe clubs not uh, all fully up to scratch on the same page yet and not putting enough pressure on the fighters to get the clean blood work in by a yeah. certain date, which is great for the show, which is something that we are going to talk about at length next week when we've got a little bit more information about um, maybe... Because I believe there are talks, as was reported, between the Irish uh, IAPA... Am I right in saying that the IAPA yeah, and the IAPA. and the government? So we will talk about that at length next week. So, anyway, so this weekend, you, or last weekend, I'm gonna. Uh, you saw what I sent you. I'm gonna practice all of my spelling pronunciations now. Yeah, did you see the picture of Graham there? Isn't you? Oh, oh of Kasabian. Oh yeah, yeah, I'll get back to that now. One second. Take him there. Um, head off him. What one? The one with the long hair. The ma- no, the, oh, the one on the left. Him. 
Yeah. No, wait. The fella, like, second from the left. Second from the left. With the, the short black hair. Him. Yeah, he's the head off him. Oh, I don't know. Oh, he does. We'll agree to disagree. I'll look at it later on and examine it, zoom in in depth, and see if it actually looks like Graham. But this past weekend, Sean, the world was shocked. UFC 198, Arena de Bachada in Curitiba, Brazil. I was practicing that for you. Nice. Arena de Bachada. UFC 198, a capacity crowd in Curitiba, Brazil. Um, quite a start. We'll start at the top. Fabricio Verdum and Stipe Miocic. Am I saying that right? Miocic? Yeah, yeah. Miocic, I don't yeah. know. I have no idea. Because they've been calling him Miocic this week. But yeah, no, it was, it's it was always Miocic to me. Miocic. Yeah. Where to start? Your boy has done it. The prophet Sheehan himself. Posting way back when on internet forums in 2012 that Stipe, a bit of a blind shot in the dark to be fair, Sean. A bit of a <laughs> no? vague, vague prediction. But somewhere within the sitting on the fence attitude of a fighter that you probably made 100 predictions about. Um, Stipe did become the UFC heavyweight champion on Saturday night. Yes, I, I predicted way back in 2012. It's actually funny, actually, with Tom Duke and I yesterday, when I was talking about him and I said he'd beat John in the ground, there was people like laughing at me. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you probably laughed at me. So when I said Stipe Miocic should be heavyweight champion uh, four years ago, but like people, people that seem to have a very hard time of seeing things coming in the future. Like, you know, if the talent is there, you know, it usually works it out, especially if they're as good as people like me, Ochich and Dukanwa. But, but I digress. Yeah, um, this fight, Verdum. A lot of people mentioned it to me, and uh, I, I kind of noticed it myself as well. He looked, he didn't look in great shape. To be honest, he looks. No. You know, he's never, he's never one that's caught up. You know, a big six pack or anything. But he always looks. I wouldn't say lean, but he looks in good shape. You know, he looks fit. And it, it's odd that he wasn't in this in, in this fight because. You know, remember he was supposed to fight Majocic on short notice after Velasquez pulled out with an injury, and he said, "No, I want I want to take time to be ready, prepared for him." And he had the full camp to prepare for him, and also he was coming off of another, uh, last camp, coming into another camp straight away. So you would think like he'd be in absolutely phenomenal shape, but he, you know, he just didn't look it. And I, I, I like I don't think that's the reason why he won. I think Stipe would have won anyway. Like I, I picked Stipe to win, um, but for him didn't you know he didn't look himself. You know he didn't look quick enough covering the ground to get across to Stipe um, his you know his he had one kind of wrestling attempt to take him down didn't really work he, he clinched didn't work wasn't he landed a couple of shots but he's you know his shots were very kind of loopy shots he wasn't throwing any nice combinations or anything and you know I thought it was I thought it was just a kind of a sloppy display from him um, you know more than anything I think um, you're uh, I think my webcam's turned on and you're looking at my notes because I have the word sloppy written down as well Mm. And I think it's actually because was it Anik on the broadcast with Goldberg or f- who was it? Uh, Stan. Stan. Brian he Stan. used the word sloppy as well, and I think it's stuck in my head. But it was sloppy about it, something else. I think it was, and I was I had it just written out overall. Like, yeah. So there you go. Not that we're Kenny Florining or anything. Oh, well, we've known to him in the in the past. Well, I thought Steve was very good, and it was actually funny. I I tweeted last week saying that I think Steve would win, and someone replied to me and said. They did it, that they agreed and they said Verdum comes in very open with his uh, combinations and that Stipe is very good with countering with a right hand. So it was fucking, I, I look up his name and find it later on I'll, I'll mention him. But that was a great call in fairness. But that's exactly, you know, that's exactly what happened. Stipe kept doing that and it was a short fight. What was only like two minutes or something like that. Um, 
and Stipe just kept doing that. He kept firing in the right hand. At the start, he looked, you know, he looked a little bit, he didn't look as light in his feet as I thought he might have looked or even as he might have tried to be. But, you know, this, as you mentioned, there are 45,000 people. Um, you know, the nerves are always going to be a thing. But once he said he settled into it quickly and he started landing his jab, he, Stipe has a, an absolutely beautiful jab. And I think people maybe underestimate his striking and maybe overestimate Verdum's a lot. Like we spoke about it last week about the Marcon fights like how well Stipe did against Marcon on the feet and how badly Verdum did even though I know he knocked him out and everything but he was losing that fight in my opinion anyway um, and I think Stipe's striking is very very good and he you know he kind of um, when, when it was on the feet he kind of he was destroying uh, Verdum a little bit maybe it didn't look that bad but every time Verdum was coming in he was landing him with a counter and when Verdum was on the back foot he was landing jabs and he was landing combinations. Now, Verdum did land one or two, but Stipe was winning all of those things early. And in the heavyweight division, when you're dominating like that, someone's getting knocked out. And he did get knocked out because Verdum got, he didn't only get sloppy, he kind of got a little bit desperate because he need. I, I was talking to someone on Twitter and I said, or on Facebook actually I was, and I said, he need, you know, when Verdum was doing there, people were looking at that and like, oh, he's chasing him across, you know, he, he doesn't respect him, what's he doing? I disagree with that a little bit. I think what he was actually trying to do was kind of lay, uh, lay down a marker, as in like, okay, he's he's winning this fight. I need you know I need to get something going quickly, and Stipe kind of saw that and he retreated and he landed that beautiful counter and just put him out cold. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, you've pretty much broke the fight down there. I have mm. a couple of thoughts on it though. I don't think Verdum was as bad maybe as some people were making out to be and um, a great point made by that guy on twitter about how i i thought he he shuffles forward like in a straight line a lot of the times and he's not even uh he's not throwing strikes he's kind of like moving his hands almost as if he's at a boxer size class do you know just shadow yeah. boxing and he uses that to close the distance and put the person then on the back foot so he can unload strikes while walking the person down and i thought okay he's doing that but Stipe was still he was landing, but and but Stipe was landing, walking backwards with a really nice variety. There was one time, I think he threw a left to the ribs and then a left uppercut straight off it. Or I think he just threw, like, he stepped out to the side while throwing a left uppercut and was able to catch, catch Verdum really, really nice. And it was the different exchanges. The finishing sequence of the fight I thought was beautiful because... Um, Stipe, I think he hit him with a right, a loop. You said a loop and right, was it? It was a loop and right to the side of the temple. And it seemed like Verdum... Uh, he he took a moment. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it made oh, just before, yeah, he did. Yeah, he wobbled him. Yeah, and it made Verdum like I don't want to say he saw red, but Stipe didn't follow it up. Stipe was like, okay, I've heard him with that shot, and I think he was thinking like because his shot selection was perfect. I think in this fight, yeah. he looked 100%. really really good. And after the loop and right, he I think he did two stiff jabs as well, just more for distance. One of them connecting, and uh, Verdum. I don't know, he came back into it then a little bit. Verdum landed the same type of shot Stipe landed. He landed an overhand right as well on Stipe. Stipe backed off, it gave Verdum a little bit more confidence. And I don't know what it was, he, f- he fell short on the jab then. Verdum was just coming forward, coming forward. The, the little, uh, what was it? It was like a little flurry that he was coming forward, really trying to get it. And then Stipe threw the exact same shot. Like a looping shot to the temple again, and I think that was the moment that uh, that Verdum was rocked, that Verdum was done, and just I don't know whether he saw red, whether he thought he had won that last exchange because he did. It seemed like he did put Stipe on the back foot. You know, he caught him with the strike that made him retreat. You know, and then he went all in on it. 
and that was when Stipe was it. Like John Cav, someone put up a thing about uh, trying to make a joke about Aldo on Twitter uh, about Brazilians being caught by that, and John was like, "It's incredibly hard to land a hard, accurate shot like that while moving backwards on someone's yeah. chin." Do you know? And that was just absolutely perfect timing from Stipe. It was. I, I don't want to, like, as you said, his gra- uh, Verdum's grappling looked very sloppy. Yeah, he was very flat-footed. He just looked drained. I don't know. There was something off about him in that fight, whether it was an energy dump before going out into that many people, whether it's nerves, whether it's pressure, because, although, like, yeah, F- Fabrizio Verdum's striking has been massively improved in the last couple of years. Looking back at it now, it's kind of something that I wish I had said more publicly Fabrizio Verdum, although he had the opportunity to like to cement himself as one of the greatest heavyweights of all time, you do get the impression from his fights that he was in the right time, right place for an awful lot of his big wins. Yeah. Do you know, like the, the yeah. Fedor win was a, as like okay, like you were dropped and put on your back and you triangled him. Do you know that sort of way? Then you took a year out to go do seminars and build your brand on that. Then you lost in the first round of the Strikeforce Grand Prix. Do you know? And then you beat Cain Velasquez at an altitude that Cain Velasquez was only in for two weeks before the fight. Meanwhile, you were training a 1,000 feet higher at 8,000 feet for the four weeks leading up to the fight. Do you know, I think Fabrizio Verdum has just had perfect... He's fought at his best possible... He's fought in his best possible manner at the best possible time against the best possible opponents. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying that he went in and he wrecked shop and he beat everyone and he went into the trenches and he pulled out a win when he shouldn't have and he did this and he did that because I'm I'm not taking away anything from his credibility as a champion. I believe he's massive, massive... uh, following in Brazil there was hundreds at a seminar that they had organised from I think a week or two ago when he got back to Brazil it was crazy to see the numbers at it and also you have to if I'm right in saying the first sort of heavyweight combat sports champion Brazil has had since the Nogueiras since uh, the Nogueira brothers JDS uh, as well Santos oh well then never mind my point about him being so loved because Brazilians are mad horny cunts that love fighting but whatever <laughs> now, yeah I think and you actually made a good point there I kind of alluded to as well last week that his his run was maybe a little not as oh. impressive as it was being built out to be maybe because uh, if he had have yeah. beaten Overeem again if he had have beat uh, Majocic yeah and as I said it wasn't uh, as I said in the podcast last week it wasn't the crowning jewel of his reign as say the UFC were trying to make it out to be when Joe Rogan in the pre-fight videos were like if he beats this he's going to be the undisputed the best heavyweight of all time and it's like well I would like to see him actually like beat over him again you know that sort of way and then you could maybe make a case that yeah he's beaten the best possible guys in his time frame do you know what I mean where someone like Crow Cop or Nogueira or Fedor in their prime would rinse Verdum in my opinion the unfortunate thing about heavyweights is, and I agree with your, the points you were making there about, you know, his run being a little bit, I don't know, as lucky the word, but inopportune, an opportune time maybe even. Um, and it is, but that's kind of taken away a little bit from him. He's a great fighter, like, and, you know, it's even a bad Ken Velasquez or, a, you know, a C-level Ken Velasquez, it's not easy to beat him. Or Fedor, the way he beat him, it's, you know, it's not easy to beat him. So I don't want to take much away from him. And I still think he's in the run for one of the greatest heavyweights of all time, just because of those two wins and because of, obviously, other wins he's had as well. Like, he did knock out Mark Hunt and all, even, you know, I I I, 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 well, maybe I Fedor is the best, but I think he's probably second with with Velasquez. It's close. Um, 
But I think Steeper was just a bad matchup for him, to be honest. Like, we spoke about it last week and you made a good point and I kind of disagreed with it last week maybe, but I think I think it turned out to be right that he'd have to beat him in kind of the grappling area as well or at least test himself there and not, you know, not let Verdum, you know, not just try to make it a striker match. And I think he kind of did that a little bit, but he, he did it by... In the clinch, you know, he let Steep or he let uh, Verdum kind of push him back, and Neymar was kind of getting towards the clinch. He landed shots off the, off the back foot, and he got out to the right. You know, when when he was retreating out to the right the whole time, or retreating out to the out to the left, that was kind of stopping the clinch. It was taking away the clinch. You know, he was letting him get in there, he was letting him think he was going to get it, and he was getting away. And now the fight didn't go that long. Obviously, we didn't see it that much, but you could see that was kind of a clear plan. You see it with other guys. You see it with Wonderboy Thompson. He did it against Johnny Hendricks. He kind of puts his back up the fence and fights out of it. So it's the kind of, you know, okay, come on, come on, come in. And then, no, I'm taking it away from you. You know, that, that kind of job. And I think someone made that point. I, you made a point and someone else made it as well last week that you kind of guys need to do that. They need to entice people in and they need to take take away what they want to get from them. Uh, Demetrius Johnson does it a lot. And I think for or Stipe did that an awful lot. I think, you know, Stipe is a tough matchup for a lot of guys uh, at, uh, at heavyweight because he's fast, he's athletic, he hits very hard. And uh, so that's something that I think he's improved on lately, his punching power. Uh, that Arlovsky fight, you know, we might have, at the time we might have said, oh, you know, Arlovsky's chin isn't what it used to be. But Arlovsky's chin, we spoke about it before that and said it had improved an awful lot and things. So, you know, it, it can't be bought. So I, I think his power has improved an awful lot. He, obviously, he knocked out, Arlovsky knocked out Verdum as well. So that's another thing to, to take into account. His wrestling is very, very good, especially defensively. Um, so he's a tough matchup for anyone. Like, Ken Velasquez, okay, it's going to be hard for him if if he comes back and he's fit because that pressure game is so hard JDS again maybe JDS isn't the same as when he fought him but you know that's obviously he lost that fight again but you know he, he arguably could have won that fight I think if they fought again he'd probably have a good chance but you know it's nice to see someone young and bring some new life into it hopefully you know hopefully he can get two or three title defences and you know keep going just on uh, one final thing before we jump onto the co-main yeah. Andrew McGahan's perfect prediction is set up beautifully now. Alistair Overeem knocks out Stipe in New York later on in the year. Stefan you know. Struve triangles Cain Velasquez <laughs> later, on, on, later on in the year. And the two boys head to the Amsterdam Arena next year. Book it. It's happening. Just put like book flights every week next year from March till June because it's a cert. Put the house on it, lads. I'm telling Seven's- you now. Seven Strokes is never fighting for the UFC heavyweight title. I can't wait to come back to episode 68 around the time of episode 130 and be like, hey guys, look what Sean said. Indeed. All right, come on, so we'll run through the rest of this card pretty quickly. Vitor Belfort, the one prediction that I did get right is I think eventually we were going to see the fight where he looks old. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, I was only about halfway right because I'm actually going to be a little bit complimentary of uh, Vitor Belfort in this fight. Yeah, go on. His grappling was surprisingly good against Jacare. It was, yeah. I thought he... Offensively, anyway. Yeah, well, there was no offensive grappling <laughs> on it. But um, in ter- for his sprawl straight away, really, really nice being able to bring it back up to the feet. Uh, Jacare closing the distance, putting him up against the cage. Vitor worked very well at staying safe and then ultimately escaping from the cage as well. And it seemed like Jacare was connecting the better in the strikes. There's no doubt about it. I think he was just physically so imposing. Do you know, like he, Vitor Belfort wants to be in the position that Jacques Ray was in. Do you know what I mean? Pinning people up against the cage, but also like 
the spark that we've seen from Vitor before about being comfortable firing off his back and just rushing forward. It seems like he just didn't trust himself to be able to do that anymore, to be able to take the shots that maybe he would have had to take before to get close enough to land his power. I just thought Jacare's uh, his overhand right to the ankle pick was a thing of beauty. And Jacare's done ankle picks for a long, long time between MMA and competitive jiu-jitsu. And then once it got to the ground, I think we finally saw something that you don't really get to see from... Like, there's multiple Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt world champions that have fought in the UFC and in mixed martial arts over the years. But I don't think anybody has such an aggressive style of competitive jiu-jitsu than Jacare himself. Do you know, like, the base that he showed when trying to pass half guard, when coming down into, like, a seated guard position, just making Vitor frame and defend, the aggression that he was coming at his, with his pass, it's like watching a black belt Mundial's final match on in the Gi is between two, like, intense guys, like, say, uh, Rodolfo Vieira and Buchecha, some of the greatest jiu-jitsu matches ever. There is, I think, more intensity in the grappling than there is in any ever ever in any MMA fight and I think Jacare channeled that perfectly and he was able to finally use it and unload vicious strike after vicious strike on Vitor Belfort cut him with almost one of the first shots that landed and they were the real damaging fight the damaging shots and even from then Jacare passed the guard doing very well Vitor Belfort with a beautiful hip escape coming up onto his knees getting a bit of a like a, a reverse whizzer like an overhook to be able to get himself back up to the ground uh, back up but at that stage I think he had expended too much energy the shots that Jacare had landed had just taken it out of Vitor completely and then once Jacare was able to get him down again that's that's it it was defensive grappling just posturing like no active escape attempts from Vitor Belfort from there on yep Think you broke that down better better than anyone I, I, I could anyway. Oh well so then, good, so. and I, I haven't even finished it yet. Go on, because it was just sure. the uh, the finish in itself. I'm not saying it was early. I'm not saying it was bad, but I would have rather seen a fight like that being stopped for the heavy shots that had landed, leading up to the oh I'm just going to tippy tappy here and land about thirty cumulative shots do you know what I mean and then yeah. a couple of hammer fists just to finish it off it was like the damage was done at that point and I know about defending yourself and stuff like that so it was a fair enough stoppage but I thought maybe um, I nearly think Jacare might have pulled up do you know what I mean didn't want to burn himself out he was like yeah. okay this isn't working so let's go the tippy tappy secure our position and land shots to see this fight out and get, get the ref to step in my bet of the week as well Jacare by Ikea 5 to 1 yeah not bad. Believe, a lot of people made I, some money. Yeah, I believe I, I did. I say first round KO last week. I don't know. It was my better week anyway. Don't All be right. trying to rob my car. No, no. I'm just theory. saying. I did definitely say it. Thirteen yeah. to two for him to finish him in the first round. Nice. nice. So another first round KO as well on the third fight from the top. Uh, Cyborg how good came in there, that? destroyed Leslie Smith. What did you think about the stoppage? Completely fine. I thought it was a little bit early, to be nah, honest. Well, I have no problem with it, though. Go, you you tell me about it. Look, she dropped, she knocked her down. Leslie Smith wasn't out or anything, and she landed a good few shots in her. She was clearly hurting her. She was clearly hurt after being knocked down, and she was landing shots. And you know, it was stopped. She wasn't. She wasn't not intelligently defending herself, like like as you say, Vitor there after he took those, uh, you know, those tippy tappy shots, whatever. Um, she was clearly still defending herself, but she was clearly, as I said, she was clearly also hurt as well. And 
all that was going to happen was she was going to get to a position where she couldn't defend herself. Usually in that situation, I'm like, okay, that that's an early, you know, that shouldn't have been stopped. In, but in this case, when it's someone so good against, you know, you know, it's, if that had happened, say, in the, um, Chad Mendes and, and uh, what's his name, Cody McKinsey fight, I would have said the same thing. Or if it happened in Jacare against Chris Camozzi before, I would have said the same thing. You know, they're in there. They're not going to win. We know they're not going to win. Like, And why let them take unnecessary damage? Like, Leslie Smith had no business taking more damage than she actually took. So, look, the stoppage, was. I think it was obviously early, but I think it was okay. You, you know, Cyborg just went in there and, she dismantled her did very well again she was a little bit more patient than she normally is and um you know one minute 21 seconds it's odd to maybe say she was patient but i think she was and good to see her in there i think um my take on it similar to what you said there if she had been any way competitive in the fight up until that point i would have had an issue with it but she i think cyborg's finishing flurry was five strikes before she hit the ground and they were powered, like, the, from the first strike Cy- Cyborg threw in the fight, I think it was a right hook, and you could tell it was thrown with bad intentions. Like The, the first big combination she landed after the right hook was, like, went to the head with the left, went to the body with the left, and then as Smith came up to defend the left again, it was a big right that hit her. And it was like, she was just, she wasn't in the fight at all. Do you know what yeah. I mean? From then, Cyborg unleashed beautiful assaults to the body either kicks or hands really was putting the pressure on it the flurry dropped her yeah fair enough only a cup like i could see like where people were coming from that it was just a couple of soft hammer fists as she was coming up into the turtle to protect herself but i think it was a reactionary movement i think it was her body on autopilot moving into that situation she was already hurt she went the way that she went back from the strikes like i think she was yeah you hear coaches talk about the shots that often wake a fighter up do you know what I mean? I wouldn't be surprised if those hammer fists were the ones that woke her up and maybe it's on the ref's call that he should have stopped it before it went into the position where she was able to hit the hammer fists from the half turtle, like she was moving into half turtle position. So a half turtle isn't a position, but it'll make sense. it makes sense for what I'm trying to say. And uh, and that was it. And yeah. an incredible performance. Uh, Pizzi retweeted something from MMA Fighting uh, on his timeline that just makes... it's. It's beautiful to see. We're talking about Cyborg who finally gets to the big show. The elation in her face when she won. When when it hit her that she won and she sprinted and up towards the cage looking around the arena in absolute wonderment at, at the scene that had unfolded before her was a really touching moment. And for her not to mention Ronda Rousey, her response was, because this night is about me. Yeah, I like you that. Know? Well. And that is yeah. an absolute mark of a champion. Cyborg, this is no longer the fight. Do you know what I mean? Cyborg is, that is... This is what people just want her to see. They want to see, can she make 135, which I am skeptical about, because she would need to make 135 for championship fights. She may be able to make 136, but that, like Ariel was reporting throughout the week, that the last of the way cut was a little bit of a struggle for her. So I do think uh, I do think it's something to be left open there. Like maybe super fights are the way forward for her. Maybe the introduction of 145 pound division in the future, who knows? But for me... That was an absolutely unbelievable performance. Anyone in the top of that division is a money fight for her. And I think she could beat pretty much all of them as well. I think her and Misha Tate would be an unbelievable fight. Like, if after seeing her recent fights, having seen her fight live recently and now seen her in the UFC, I think we now know why the Ronda Rousey fight never happened on the Ronda Rousey side of things. Mm-hmm. 
yeah I like I think they should just institute a belt at 145 pounds like we all know these belts are fairy tales anyway so they might as well just do it like just get a belt let it be the cyborg belt and just let her defend it over and over there's no one going to beat her like you know nobody I think Holly Holm maybe is a good shout maybe close fight Ronda Rousey's certainly not going to beat her I don't think I don't think Katzingano will beat her I don't think Jermaine Durandam will beat her I don't think anyone's going to beat her you know um I don't think we should to beat her. Uh, just in, give her the belt. Let her defend it in, in these one-off fights and just let her keep going like that. You know, there's no need to, to put in the division. Just let her be, you know, if she wants to retire then or whatever, retire the belt or maybe the division might build around her or something, you know, which when there's a champion like that, maybe people want to move up or maybe, you know, Someone, you know, they're looking for the money fight. People, yeah, we saw quick people kind of came around when Ronda Rousey came in. A lot, of, you know, it's improved an awful lot since. And the same with the 115 pound division. But I think the UFC, she's obviously an asset for them. I think they need to use her. You know, then whatever you know, they, even if they didn't have a belt, just keep letting her fight at 145. I think having her trying to get her to cut down to 135 is just stupid to be honest and it's unnecessary we don't need it we absolutely don't need it if she, if she wants to fight against Misha Tate the champion of 135 just have it at 140 or 145 this weight cutting is so is so stupid it's, you know why would you want to see her do that like there was this bullshit about oh she was on drugs and all for Come on, if you're doing, if you're not letting everyone that's failed the drug test uh, cut weight or or fight at their natural weight class, there's going to be a lot of people, you know, being being forced, uh, being forced to go down and cut weight. Like it's, I think it's ridiculous. Just, I enjoy watching her fight. You know, let her fight. That's on on that, one final thing. Ariel said that she could be upwards of 164 pounds. I think it was. Yeah. Mad. in the cage on Saturday night and then people were sharing the picture of her and Frankie Edgar from a couple of years ago Kyle Pendred shared it mm-hmm. when Frankie was the 155 pound champion at the time standing next to Cyborg and it was so like the difference in size yeah. was crazy Mad, yeah. guess what thanks to what? Sandu you just tweeted Showtime Sports tweeted this and then went all John Jones and just deleted it this oh. hype train just won't stop hashtag matchup Monday who do you think would win in a boxing match Floyd Mayweather or the notorious MMA and then a picture of the two of them facing off against no, each other no no notorious okay oh god what next are we getting on to that or what are we doing um, you tell just, me uh, a quick word on Damian Maya against Matt Brown we don't need to get into it because it was it was just Damian Maya being Damian Maya but jujitsu. Like, it not it a bit sickening that Tyron Woodley is fighting for uh, the welterweight title next when Maya what? Carlos Condes and Wonderboy are all out there. Sean, did I miss that? Yeah, did you miss it? How fight- long has he been he's fighting for that title? Oh, two weeks ago. No, I hanged the yeah. shit after all that talk at the start. <laughs> I take it all back. Start. I'm a con artist. Yeah, a con artist. I definitely, I, t- I definitely read a tweet about that and I yeah. thought, oh, that's a joke. <laughs> and then did I like because it wasn't a report tweet it was like someone In tweeting about if Woodley gets this title shot and I was just like alright I assume nothing's happened yeah it's, it's, it's some joke like outstanding Matt Brown again though, brill- or um, Damian Maia again brilliant Matt theory. Brown had one little chance had one little chance uh, he, he hit him with a good shot kind of dazed him and then he went into his yard kind of and I was like what the fuck are you doing and then that was it go on so what's Matt your Brown's jiu-jitsu looking good though yeah improving 
It was, yeah. It's like you feel bad for these guys. Like you feel bad for Gordon Nelson. You felt bad for Matt Brown's. Like he's like, he's just like fucking. He's like quicksand. You just can't get out, get out of him. Like you just what, like his career turnaround since going down to one seventy has been huge. And since yeah. recovering from that illness, it's like he's got a second lease on life. It's absolutely brilliant to see. I can't like. I definitely think he'll get a title shot two thousand and sixteen. I think uh, it. I think it has to, has mm-hmm. to happen. Um, I'll just on that one last thing. I have a theory for you before we get off UFC 198. What? Matt Brown is on a single one-handed route to be able to test free agency. He's trying to get fired. What do you think so? Flipping off Brazil, attacking yeah. a fan, like, all of this hassle. He UFC are gonna, some fans and he didn't Damian Maia. UFC are just going to be like, no, can't act like that. And then, bam, signs with Bellator. Yeah. Fights Rory McDonald. <sighs> <laughs> poor, poor fucking man. There you go. I, I look, that's a good way. Look, I'm just saying, few incidents get yourself fired. You don't have to run out that contract. Yeah, I agree. That's it. Yeah. Anyway, just we, we move we're on. Terry of the week. Shogun. Shogun looked okay and won against uh, Corey Anderson. My boy. Brian, Bar- Brian Barberina again. Very, very good. Against Farley Alves, he's a legit prospect. He's not just the the narcot killer. Um, Tiago Santos knocked out Nate Marquardt. Nate Marquardt shouldn't be fighting anymore. It's it's bad. It's just bad. He shouldn't be fighting. John Indigrens, Rob Font wasn't the exciting fight. We were hoping Rob Font looked very nervous. I think maybe the occasion got to him a little bit. Roger Nog, as the boys in the Severe May podcast, knocked out uh, our Severe May. What am I saying? The co-main of him podcast to call him knocked out Pat Cummins. You know, which surprised me a little bit. Um, yeah, and that was pretty much it. But good card all around. Uh, yes. Next thing we need to talk about is the UFC apparently being up for sale and this is this question i'm going to put to you andrew this is the question i've been asked more than any other questions is if the ufc was sold would that be a good thing or a bad thing um well it's since come out that it's not up for uh, it's not fully being sold it's a partial no no not even that ignore that because that's like yeah i believe uh is it darren rovell yeah, a few people have said it. Yeah, you're yeah, right. like he's completely right. But it, it could be a partial sale, yeah. you know, like a, a stake, an equity stake, or something like that. Let's say if it was sold, the, the whole thing was sold. Well, would then it, be- it wouldn't make a difference because Dana White and Lorenzo Fertitta would be kept on in their same positions initially. What if they weren't? If they weren't, yeah. Um, I still think it would still keep going. Like Dana has been brought back a little bit out of the public eye now. There is no yeah. more scrums. His interaction with fans and media isn't as big as it used to be. It's fighters that they send out with tickets now and locations and guest locations. It's no longer Dana and the video blog guy being swarmed by fans and people saying, I love you, Dana White. It's not that anymore. They've gone more professional. Whether Gary... Uh, Gary Cook stuff behind the scenes and getting all the new designs and graphics that were introduced at UFC 189 last summer. Um, Fight Pass really taking off with Eric Winter and establishing themselves as a good content provider. Like, have made massive steps in the last six months, I think, in terms of improving their product from going just from a Netflix version of the UFC to good quality interactive yeah, live very, content yeah. like massively the UFC have taken a massive step up in their professionalism in the last in the last while maybe making them and even from the Reebok deal yeah cool it sucks for fighters we will talk about that till the cows come home but if you're trying to sell something like that if you're trying to make it look 
make it look as professionally polished as possible, then the Reebok kit is exactly what they need. And whether it's good or bad for the fighters is a separate issue. From the point of view of looking at potentially selling a company, having everybody looking like that is a massive, massive step towards being looked at and considered as a legitimate sport. Yeah. Sorry I, about that. And just on that, yeah, like there's enough people out, like, okay, if you're going to sink, let's say, six billion into buying something, you're not going to appoint one of the guys on the truck, like, you're not going to be like, okay, I'm being Dana White because I'm putting four billion of this up or the most of this up before we get le- leverage money off banks and stuff like that. Uh, you can be Lorenzo and Frank. Do you know what I mean? They were, like, how long do they is, need them now? But how long has Front Row Brian been saying things like put Brian Stan in charge of the UFC, put Chael Sonnen in a position in the UFC, Conor McGregor could run the UFC in a couple of years' time on behalf of those people? Like, what does Dana White actually do now, though? You, you, you mentioned it there. I was talking to Patrick about this as well. Like Dana White is dispensable at the moment. Before he used to be, he used to be the out there, the guy who was promoting everything. You know, the guy who you obviously who you said there was on on you know on Twitter talking to fans. He doesn't do that anymore. Like he's he stands there at the press conference. He doesn't answer any questions. Sometimes most of the press conference he isn't even there. You know, he's not. You know, he goes on the odd show on on ESPN and stuff, but he's not on any of those shows promoting fights. Very no one on ones with Ariel. No one on ones. No scrums. Like he's. The people they need, basically just Sean Shelby and Joe Silva and obviously all the people doing the production and everything else. I think, you know, there's, a, there's two things here, I think. I think they're dispensable. I think if they're sold, things could still run okay the way, you know, obviously, you know, they, they have their influence and they do a lot of, a lot of stuff. But, I, you know, I think the UFC is at a position now where it could. I think even like two year, two three years ago, I don't think they were in a position where they could sell. I think Dana White and Lorenzo Fertitta were doing too much themselves. But I think now they could. I think they have everything set up where they have, as you said, the Reebok deal, everything. They have it. They're in a position where they they could sell. But the second point is uh, whether you know whether it be better or not, whether it be better or worse than it is now. I think there's always a little bit of the case of uh, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. Like they get an awful lot of of stick for the things they do wrong and stuff, which is correct when we give them plenty of stick ourselves. But they also do a lot of good things, you know. And they've taken this sport from nowhere and made it what it is today. I know they're running it pretty well. Okay, the, the Reebok deal, as you said, very unfair. They don't pay their fighters enough. Fair enough. But the way the sport is run. Um, I think they've done a good job of that. The way they've got it legalized all over the United States, and even Lorenzo Fertitta saying they'd help in Ireland if they wanted it, and all stuff like that. I think, you know, the sport today is in a place where maybe no one else in the world, apart from those guys, could have brought it. So you know, it's it's tough. Just definitely, but as I say, like it's definitely in a position where, with the right backing, with the right people taking it over who are not going to change it it can I think it can run by itself really now at this stage fair point fully yeah. agree sold by Sheehan the new segment in the podcast where Sean Sheehan changes my mind about a subject completely mm, I like it coming every Tuesday I like it uh, yeah but come here when do you think we should release this podcast I think we get Graham to stay up all night again and release it yeah, the first thing like in the morning 6 o'clock in the morning because yeah, this is a cracking episode so far Sean I'm thoroughly best enjoying episode. this best episode we're, 
on that Yossi said we're going to obviously speak about that an awful lot more so we'll we're just touching it there and we'll get into the questions now um, questions next, already uh, one one more thing oh, before okay. the questions I thought you said the questions because you mm. forgot about uh... yes one more thing okay. did I forget about two? oh I forgot about two things fuck yeah. it okay Bama uh, first yeah the last thing is a, is a short thing we can talk yeah. about Bama first um, London card at the weekend obviously we talked about it a little bit earlier you didn't make it in um, Mark mm. Diakis he got another huge kill was it 9 and 0 now he is I think he'll probably be you know in one of the big shows pretty soon um, Tom Duckan was as well got a huge KO obviously if you're not if you listen to this podcast you know how, how high I am and uh, Tom Duckan Ex another excellent display again called out Alan Philpott and uh, you know I hope that fight's on Dublin. If he doesn't, if uh, Dukama doesn't get signed for the for the UFC, uh, in the meantime, he probably should. But really impressed with the two guys you are. Was I what? Sorry. Really impressed with the two. You not Casey and uh, the AK, Well, like this is the thing. Like even like okay, I have been. And aside from Matt Bourne coming up to me and saying I need to praise Tom Dukama on this podcast and ask him, do I believe? Do I believe? And all of this stuff, Matt, you can have your victory. Okay. You take it. You run away with it. Celebrate it. Save this audio. Because next time I'll be right. But whatever. Anyway. This. This event. From the streams coming out. Of people. Amount of people coming out afterwards. From. The backstage area they had set up for the media. From talking to people. From the reaction online. From partnering with SureDog. Which was a mad. Like. Look. We're in this age now Sean. Right? Yeah. Television means nothing. Okay. I'm sorry about that. This, the internet is the future. And I'm not sounding like I'm from 2002 here. But as uh, Pizzi put in the group chat, three and a half thousand views were on the stream at, at one point. And I think that was when it had just gone live for different things on Facebook. They're, yeah, that was the undercard as well, I think. Yeah, they're good numbers. For something that can be circulated and not just how many people watched it at once. For something that can be shared, consumed, uh, digested again, like just sent around everywhere, go viral on the internet, when they're freely making all of their content available online immediately as it's happening. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Bama are putting in a serious amount of effort and work into their technical side productions here, and it's paying off for them massively. Do you know what I mean? We weren't at the venue, but on 4G, on a smartphone, we were seeing the finishes as we were on our way to it. Do you know what I mean? The, the, we were watching the we saw the DKZ finish as Joe McColgan had finally got the iron and was ironing the shirt. Do you know? Like there's, it was just they stepped it up and they realised that they had a had the chance to do so, and now they're I think they're doing it and executing it very well. However, I don't think we're getting the full story on clarity on the Irish show because if this was such a matter of importance in terms of cancelling and putting the Dublin show back, then surely the same thing would have been done for the weekend show. So I think maybe it's because of an impending talk or something between the Irish government and promotions that had stopped something like that. Um, and I, they, in fairness, they have said that they've been looking to put these medical things in place for quite a while. But for me, it was like, if you make that announcement before the show at the weekend, like maybe they could have held off on that announcement until after... Uh, until after the, the weekend show just gone there because I did see a few people bring that up yeah um, it's difficult now. as you said the situation in Ireland is kind of odd at the moment and I wouldn't you know I wouldn't fault them at all for, for postponing that show oh I'm not uh, in the slightest no I know you're not but yeah I'm just 
yeah, it's a difficult situation. Like, and I think, you know, I think it was probably the right decision. It's good to have this show. Maybe it was probably too late, the one this weekend to have it done. And, you know, safe MMA. I don't know, was there any amateur shows, uh, fights on this card last weekend? Was there? Well, maybe they were, were they all pro? Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So, you know, I, I think the shows are running okay. They were running fine. You know, obviously, safe MMA is over there as well in, in, um, the UK with them and they were on site so I've, I've no problem with that show running and I've no problem with them cancelling the show if they felt if they felt they needed it and they felt that uh, you know that the Irish the people on the Irish show wouldn't be safe or whatever you know wouldn't have the necessary things done in the necessary time so that's fair enough and you know it's going to be on September it's going to be a good show Um on the production things, I I agree. Their production has improved an awful lot. I remember watching a Bama show not too long ago, and I remember they kind Wasn't of the camera angle stuck yeah. in a certain camera angle. Yeah, and they kind of that. cut away between fights, and you know you could see the guys kind of walking towards the octagon, and you know even in like their walkouts, you could see them like and, you know there was there was no one talking, and it was just kind of they were walking out, and you couldn't hear the you know you couldn't hear the guy um, uh, announcing the fights and stuff, and it was just terrible, like and. and stream keep going cutting out and everything I watched it at home on my telly my uh, mirrorcast or something no I'm in the sitting room and um, perfect the stream didn't drop once production was brilliant um, you know the stream looked very good they still have a, a, you know, a lot of things to, to, to fix and to change maybe I think their ring announcer isn't very good I think their commentators aren't very good Um and David Hay was actually not bad at the weekend. He's, he showed some good MMA knowledge, but I don't think... David Hay should... sitting next to King Carly Cage side. Is he? Yeah. There's two good strikers there, but I don't think he should be the one doing the analysis. I don't think he should be... You know, he calls it boxing an awful lot and stuff, and it's just... But I, I don't want, I'm not criticising David Hay because he did well. He did very well. But I think it'd be better if they came in kind of between fights to David Hay for like, you know, three times a night maybe or twice a night or something like that. I don't think he should be the one there all the time talking about it like there's plenty of UK fighters or Irish fighters or journalists or whatever you want to get to, to, to do that job um, Cahill Pendry Cahill Pendry would be excellent at that yeah um, but uh, that's Peter you know, Creeley there things, there's there things, so yeah, many fighters like. there are things that could be could be fixed and I think the, they have fixed the biggest things already Um you know, I like, you know, we spoke about they have a lot of gimmicky things and stuff, which, you know, they change a little bit. Uh, I don't think there's maybe as bad as it used to be, but I like the, you know, I like some of them. The Tommy Toll thing is obviously great. Any any Tommy Tolls always good for me. And, you know, they they put out some, that um, Chris Fields and, and the Bear Jew uh, promo they put out was excellent. Very, very good. Um, so, you know, the Bama are improving an awful lot and they have a, uh, you know, they've taken an awful lot of things on board, I think, that maybe people have said about them and they have changed their, you know, changed things and made it for, for the better. So, fair play to them. And, you know, and it's not just that. Look at D.A. Casey and Tukumah, probably two of the best prospects in the world fighting on the card. So, when you, good production, good fighters, you're on, you know, you're on to a winner there. And, you know, if they can keep those guys for another shot, it could be huge, you know, oh, especially, if, especially if it's in Ireland. I have to say, here's my one issue, right? Irish MMA events are supported by friends and family and teammates of the fighters on the card, right? And I don't, this isn't an actual uh, genuine serious thing here, but they could affect Irish MMA shows because for a general fan, not that, not that I think there's, 
droves of general Irish MMA fans. But, we, like, you and I get questions, do you know what I mean? We get people now asking when the next local MMA shows are. I can see people waiting for the next Bama shows to go to them because you're paying, in some cases, Sean, the same price for 17 pro fights on Bama in the three arena. A great day out, great production, as you said, a full arena with an excellent capacity and an excellent atmosphere. Or you're paying the same price for 10 amateur fights and two pros on the top of your card. Do you know? And this is something that there is gonna, there's definitely going to be something coming to a head in Irish MMA in the next while. Whether it's coaches getting together, whether it's fighters getting together. It's just you cannot, like, Irish amateur fighters are now having to pay for all of these medical expenses, which is fine. I agree. I they definitely need them, okay? That's 100%. But in my opinion, the promoter should be the one covering the costs for the amateur fighters. And more than likely, probably the pro fighters as well. If you're going to be making money off these guys, your amateurs especially, by selling tickets, maybe by staying in certain venues because you get it for free and you can make the money off bars and stuff like that. You know, a long term, like, look at those Irish MMA shows. Like In, in certain cases, Sean, you're going to a place where it's open from... Like uh, one like part of the afternoon till night time. Do you know what I mean? And if you've got 600 people at fights, they're gonna, there's going to be a lot of them drinking. Do you know? There's going to be a lot of people putting money into the venue. Um, this, these are areas that need to be addressed, I think, that fighters... Uh, oh, you just sent me Twitter questions. Sorry, I was wondering yeah. what that was. It just needs to be looked at a little bit better because I've heard different things. The trauma room, for example... Um, apparently wasn't going to be at a local MMA show recently until two coaches said, if that's not there, we're not coming. Okay, we're pulling the fights. We're pulling the fighters. And they're completely right to say that. So when it gets down to it, I think what you're going to see now is maybe more shows approaching gyms, more fighters from the same gym, for example, on one night being on these cards. And that can affect attendances. Do you know? Yeah. And because you need as many different variants from different places coming, traveling, buying tickets to get people in the venue. And then because maybe certain gyms will are willing to do things certain ways and if you know, you don't have to be IAPA approved, but you're not do you know what I mean? You you really should be. But there are gyms that aren't. Maybe you see more of those guys on cards and you're like, okay. This needs to come to a head here because the quality is going down. Like I've been at shows recently, Sean, I have to admit, where I think the standard of the amateur fights is so poor that it should like this is this is what the early stages were like when we're talking about guys that shouldn't be fighting on cards where people are paying money for, where these fights need to be happening in a gym, in a hall, on a Sunday afternoon, just teammates there you're in it's an amateur fight it's fine it's gone it doesn't need to have the production it doesn't need to have all the jigs and the wheels about it these are guys that are being thrown in into high pressure situations at the start of their career and then maybe oh a pull out happens or no i got the nerves i don't want to fight there is an epidemic in irish mma with pull outs we saw it culminating in this weekend's card that a fight can't go together with probably the best domestic pro fight you're going to see in Ireland in 2016 with Tommy McCafferty against Reese McKee this Saturday night. And it can't happen now because pullouts have ravaged the rest of the amateur card. And the only option to this is promoters need to cover the medical expenses, in my opinion, for fighters. So all the fighters have to do is worry about showing up on weight ready to fight. Fair enough. Point made. Mm. 
driven right. home. Right. Tell before the good to, people. Before we get to the questions, uh, Will, oh, no, Brooks one more topic, Will Brooks was caught from Bellator. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Let, let me, I, I'll give you my thoughts because you're yeah, after going to be going. questions. <clears throat> I think it's a very odd thing for Bellator to do. They also cut <coughs> heavyweight champion, didn't they? <coughs> Minikov. Oh, they didn't cut him. They just uh, <coughs> took his belt from him. Oh, really? He's, I'm sure. Yeah, um, because he hasn't fought in like a year and a half or something. But the Wilbrooks thing is very odd because it's kind of a okay. You you could they don't want Wilbrooks. That's pretty obvious, and they want Michael Chandler to have the belt. I think that's pretty obvious as well because they put promotion into him, and they think he's our star, even though he kind of really isn't. But okay. Um, so they decided to release Will Brooks, thus giving him no chance to fight for the belt again, right? He, I think he had one fight left in his, his contract, so he could have fought for the belt again, right? And then maybe signed for the UFC or signed for somewhere else, but have been in a free agency where maybe he could have demanded more money. Um, but now they've, they've put him out there, which so, so the UFC can basically Good offer him... Deadness. He, well... It's bad, bad for business for for him, yeah. yeah. And it's it's an odd one because there's such a good fighter, and I, apparently he's hard to work with, and he you know he doesn't want to make a deal and stuff. But you have to work through those kind of things if you want good fighters like that. And people seem to like Will Brooks as well, um. So it's an odd one. But now like he is in a in a very weird place now because the UFC can offer him a contract of twelve and twelve and bring him on, and he was a champion in in Bellator. Like uh, like Eddie Alvarez, I think, got a pretty good um deal because he came over in kind of a different circumstance and that was an odd one as well but Hector Lombard as well they got him as a free agent so they got him with a pretty good deal obviously the other guys that went the other way from the UFC to Bellator got good deals as well like Vincent Henderson and Phil Davis and, and guys like that Um, even when their contracts were out when they went into free agency but did Will Brooks doesn't have that now so he's like someone just getting signed up like he's like say Tom DeCanoir DKC or something just getting signed up to, they're going to go in at the he's going to go in at the very bottom no, into the I, UFC if he goes there I disagree on that because I think Diakese and Duke and Wall will have hype coming behind them. Yeah, where yeah, Brooks maybe, is like, yeah. oh, he's kind of. That's actually he, a fair point. I, I don't want to say because uh, you know we talked about Chos last week. I don't want to say he blew his load or he showed showed his hand. <laughs> I think uh, Brooks has put himself in an awful negotiating position here in free agency, yeah, yeah. with the except unless Risen or an or one FC or something like that are going to come in from and get him to fight their guys. Like you know, like I would pay to see. Uh, Will Brooks fights Shinya Aoki in Japan. Yeah, Will Brooks is a very good fighter. Like, don't get me wrong. I think he, you know, he could be Shinya! UFC champion. <laughs> Aoki, Aoki. <laughs> Will Brooks beats a lot of guys in the UFC. I think he beat Eli. Uh, yeah, he has already beaten Eli Alvarez. What am I talking? About? Or has he? No, it was Michael Chandler he beat. Was it? He beat one of those guys anyway, and they beat each other. So, like, he beats that's championship level fighters. He, you know, he's beating. Um, so I think he, like, he, I think he's definitely top ten fighter in the UFC. You know, he, it's obviously tough to say who's going to win a title, but he could be a, a champion in the UFC. Um, but uh, yes, he, Michael Chandler was he beat twice. Um, but yes, I hope he gets to the UFC. I have a feeling he won't though. I just have a feeling he won't. I, like too I could see him hassle, in the maybe. yeah too much hassle. Won't want to accept the contract. World Series of Fight. He might offer him something with like five grand to fight more or something like that, and he might take that uh, and go there for a few years, or you know just stay there altogether. The UFC. When they hear something like that, Scott Coker and the UFC don't have that bad a relationship. I, I don't think. I think that you know they talk about things like this, Dana White, and you know, and um, you said he does nothing. 
he he hasn't made what do you mean? Dana, Dana. Oh, yeah, Dana White does nothing, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's another one. I suppose we'll talk about it a couple uh, more as uh, you know over the next couple of weeks because it's going to be developing all the time with uh, when he gets offers and stuff. The ever developing story. Yep. Well, on that note, Sean, I am going to have to go and look for a couple of questions. So if you'd like to keep our fair listeners organised and informed, I can do that, Andrew. Look while you're getting those questions. Let me just inform the listeners about our beautiful ROS Nutrition, where you can get 25% off your first order by using this promo code Severe MMA in the checkout. They have beautiful stuff over there for all your um, your sporting supplement needs. They have from proteins and amino acids to sport performance, strength and conditioning, creatine, fat loss, female nutrition, all that good stuff. Um ROS Nutrition, as Andrew mentioned to start the podcast, good Irish-based uh, uh, website and, and company just like us. Um, so, you know, help yourselves. Get get 25% off. Help them. Help us. So everyone uh, everyone can get help out of this. Word. Severe May, 25% off. ROSnutrition.com. So for the first time in podcast history, Mr. Podge doesn't have the first question. Harsh. Irish fright freak. Maka himself wants to know, what do you think of 1FC MMA's scoring system? No 10-9-round scoring. It's worth a look at. The three judges scored the bout based on near KOs or submission, damage inflicted, striking superiority and ground control, takedown and takedown defense and aggression. I think it's just as imperfect as the other scoring system is, to be honest. I don't think there is a good scoring system yet for, for MMA. Mixed martial arts. Yeah, I'm not sure there is one unless it's very, very complicated. Where you score like shot by shot, every shot is weighed, every takedown is weighed. Yeah, you know, it's and it's very hard. I you know, I I don't like that particularly more than I like the ten by most system, but it's it's okay. Well, there you go. I hope that answers your question. Farrell Connolly coming in second here with probably now the one match that I want to see more than anything in my life after reading this question. Gunnar Nelson versus Tom Breeze would be sick. Who takes it? I think, it, fight, right. I think it could look a lot like Gunner versus Thatch. But Maybe. With, with Breeze having more success in the striking. Breeze yeah. is a silver medalist or a world champion. I think he only got silver. IBJJF at Purple Belt in the uh, Nogi. He did that like a couple of, like a week or two after his fight with Cahill. Was over competing and uh, got on the podium, at least I know, in the adult division. The Purple Belt uh, World Championships. So that's, a, like he's a serious grappler. But... Gunnar Nelson is Gunnar Nelson. Yeah, I I think it'd be a very good fight. I think I don't think Breeze is there yet, but he will be soon. Um, in a couple of years, yeah, I think that, I'm not, not even a couple of years, maybe eighteen months down the line. I think yeah, that'd be a very good fight. I think at the moment Gunnar Nelson will take it, but you know Breeze is improving an awful lot. You know, even from his first fight in the UFC to his second, third fight in the UFC, proved you know proved an awful lot, and he will keep improving over at uh, TriStar, unbelievable, probably the best gym in the world. So yeah. Mr. Podge made up for not being first to the question, though, at one Mr. Podge, by launching a barrage of them for you, Sean. Go on. Connor says he runs boxing, okay? Yeah. When does this go too far? Does he lose all credibility, and is he going to fight soon? I, I think people realize that if, you know, it's all for headlines to keep yourself in there, to keep, you know, to keep uh, Mayweather in there, to keep McGregor in there, look, Maybe they want it to happen, but I don't think it can happen. I don't think it ever will happen. Um, credibility is an odd thing. When you're promoting 
fights, you don't really lose credibility. Credibility, I think it's an odd thing. I think maybe you can kind of annoy people. Uh, McGregor did that definitely um, by saying he's back on UFC 200 and stuff. And this is an iron for a lot of people as well. But a lot of people like to talk about these sort of things as well. And uh, you know, I think a lot, most people kind of understand what's going on. Um, that you know, they either either want to make a lot of money by the fight actually happening, or if it doesn't happen, which more than likely won't. They've kept themselves, you know, in in the uh, in the public eye, and maybe people will tune in their next fight to hear them call each other out or something like that. Well, on that, who looked good, uh, or Thiago Santos looked very good as well. Surely a top ten opponent is next for him. Maybe a Lyoto Machida retirement fight, or that he's uh, Rob Whitaker, who's on a four fight win streak, would be a good matchup. Yeah, it's. I'm not sure if he's up up to that level. I think he's a very good fighter. I think he could fight at that level but I'm not sure he's um, he's done enough yet for that I know Nate Marquardt used to be a good fighter and stuff but I think that was that was a pretty uh, pretty easy win for him he, he did beat Elias Teodoro in his last fight which is a good win but I think he's getting towards that definitely I think one more fight against someone maybe just outside the top uh, 15 and then a uh, top 15 fight after that maybe beautiful Gavin Sherlock at Gav Sherlock would like to know the top three people in your fantasy league should get an honorary mention of the podcast, Sean. Do you have yeah. a Do you have a fantasy league? I do. I set up one for um for the MMA fans, oh, well which is which I had like. Did Gavin finish in the top three? Uh, I'll check now. One second. It's the MMA Soccer Kicks League. It has like three hundred members. Carl Pinder is in there. Gavin Sherlock won. In fact, Did oh he? no, he's hold on. He is one. He's on top by one point. But there's one game left to go. <gasps> Man United are playing Bournemouth still. He has, he has Chris Smalling in his team, so he could even win by more. Uh, Ryan Boyle is second. Gary Moore is third. Who's in Ryan Boyle's team? <clears throat> Ryan Boyle has a Bournemouth player. Oh, so Francis. Like Smalling might play because United have the um, have the Epic cup to final. come at the weekend. Yeah, um, and he's Newcastle player to come off the bench as well, who has three points. And he's Balassi. Did Balassi get anything? No, Delaney. No. Gabriel. So he's won it. Six. We'll oh, see, no, we'll no I don't think year. he does. We'll see next week. We'll see next we'll see, week. We'll see next week. But there's lots of good people in that. Um, Carl Pinter is in it, I believe. His brother, Podrick, is in it. Uh, our boy Fergus O'Farrell is in it. Jeremy Botter. Uh, Podrick Pinter actually finished 49th. I think he's there at the <laughs> moment, which is pretty good. All right. Which I, is very I, yeah, good. Because it was 300 and something. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm 94th. So, not very good. A question from John Harker next. Do you agree that the belts changing hands are hurting the UFC? Fuck marketing when Reebok are hurting the fighters. No, I don't really get the last part of that, but I... Was yeah. that a... Chel Sonnen said that, I think. Sonnen said that. Did he totally agree. Yeah, yeah, no, sorry. Yeah. The way that it read, I was like, I thought it was him saying that, but Sonnen said that as well, did he? Yeah, he oh, said right. that. excellent. I definitely agree with that. Like, I think, you know, looking at the WWE, they like to have long-term champions a lot of the time, and it helps build... The, uh, and grow the kind of sport and build the champion themselves yeah like Chuck Liddell who had the belt for a good while Tito Ortiz had it for a good while you know even the three of them with Randy Couture as well even though they kind of swapped the belt around in time but all of them kind of had it for a good while and kind of built themselves John and I think Jones. that helped him John Jones yeah even Demetrius Johnson you can see a little bit there's sparks coming there Pierre, yeah John St. Pierre Anderson, Anderson Silva. Silva yeah so, and now there's nobody really Demetrius Johnson as I say is the only one uh, and I think Robbie Lawler is the next most uh, winningest champion after that, I think. So there you go. 
Yeah, it, it definitely does. They could do, especially at heavyweight, like it's impossible. Cain Velasquez had a little bit of it and they tried to push him an awful lot, but then, you know, he lost JDS and then he went back and he lost it again. So it's, it's very tough. Um, Robert Burke, one of Irish MMA's longest men around the scene, fighting point of view. He wants to know that we approve the necessary approval for content to be discussed on this podcast. Yeah, I, yes, I got onto I got onto the MMA hour boys. I got into New York Rick there and uh, yeah, we, asked him could we discuss uh, UFC one eighty nine. He said yes. He said work away, lads, but you're not allowed to talk about all oh, the whole card in full because that's what Ariel does. So we're like, yeah, look, yeah, no hassle, man. Thanks very much. That's the way we yeah, do so, stuff here. So he's our bang on lads. Thank you yeah. so much for that. And then also, I'm actually going to uh, Oriel Park this weekend. And I'm going to ask the local paper, the Argus, if I can report on the match. They said, work away, Andrew. Any mm. goals that are scored, though, you have to, like, you can't talk about that. So I was like, sound, did you, boys. Did you hear um, the Independent went to the Liverpool match there to begin? Yeah. They had to go to the, uh, the Times. Oh, first. yeah, yeah. No, they went, the, 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 the big thing, like the, uh, the UK Times, they're like, yeah. yeah, guys, look, 100%. But if you can mind not mentioning that it took place in a football stadium, yeah. that'd be really cool. So they did Just, that as well. Yeah. Like, don't mention Jurgen Klopp, but anything other than that, fine. Yeah, yeah. anything anything else, like, oh, sure. What was it? Uh, CNN flew into Leicester and they had to ask the Leicester Evening Chronicle if they could uh, report on uh, Leicester's title win and said, look, boys, it's good and stuff like that, but we've actually got this covered. You can just uh, throw your toys out of the pram there and head on. Yeah, I think it's yeah. actually the Leicester leader. Le- <laughs> yeah, I think it is. Is it actually? Yeah, I think it, because you know it's, it's the Limerick oh, leader. Oh, that was I'm so I'm I'm happy we didn't laugh now there, Sean. That was a a tit for tat one there. That was yeah. good. <laughs> I mean, what so, are you talking about? That was serious. Yeah, that was dead serious. Okay, next question. Go on. Next question uh, from II Freaks underscore. Do you think promoters should be licensed if the Irish Sporting Council recognises MMA? I think this would make 100%. sure fighter safety is put before profit, which is perfect. I agree with that. And by licensed, I mean it would reach standards of medical care set out by the Irish Sports Council before being allowed to put on a card. Yes. 100%. 100%. Best question. I mentioned of the week. that in the podcast a few weeks ago. Yeah. Promoters and, and fighters should both have to get licenses. 100%. AJK Dublin wants to know. What did you think of the Man United shambles yesterday? <laughs> well, look, I think they actually did well. You know, if it was a bomb scare or whatever, they did well. They got everyone out there pretty quickly. No one was hurt or anything. Um, I think they did very well. But, for, you know, it was a left a training device that was left behind from another... Uh, they did, like, terrorist training or whatever, you know, something like that. Um and it was left behind after that, and then they thought it was a real terrorist device. So it was a bit of a shambles. It was a bit of a a, a joke or whatever. But Ken Early you know. had one of the best tweets I've seen in a long time what was about that? it. He was like, "You, th- uh, I'm gonna try pull it up here." It was like, "You, th- or I'll pull it up while you're answering the next question." Was it the one about the surgeon? And the, yeah, the, it was like yes, it, like Stan he Collymore. just questioned Stan Collymore. It's like yes, Stan well, Collymore's a fucking idiot. It's it's not like there's a. He's like, oh yeah, apart from the point that I've got this sneaking suspicion that I left the, pl- the fake bomb inside. <laughs> yeah, he, no, he was like, uh, uh, St. Collymore was like, oh yeah, how could anyone do that? And he's like, uh, Ken Early was like, don't surgeons leave stuff in bodies all the time after surgery? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Stan Collymore was like, con bullshit on it. What a f- Stan Collymore, yeah, yeah. how is he look, covering the world? Look, the world so is he- weird, Sean. Do you know what I mean? Because Stan Collymore actually showed up to the ground and he had to ask uh, Nicky Butt what he could write about the game that day. <laughs> Nicky Butt's working for Man United stuff. Is he? He's, he's United's uh, youth. Oh, I didn't know that at all. Coordinator, no, yeah. Keen O'Connell. Stan Collymore blocked me on Twitter. Why? 
because, <laughs> because, because he put a tweet out a few years ago about like United's winning a Premiership winning team, and I replied to him, "Sure, what would you know about winning league uh, titles?" <laughs> da, da, da. Uh, At, there's only one twenty-one. Keno Connell is back in the good graces of the Severe MMA podcast. His questions are now being answered. When do you think Ashton Daly will get her next fight and who's the likely opponent? She is rallying for a big uh, for a fight on the Hamburg card. She was doing a similar thing for the Croatia card, but it uh, seemed to fill up too quick. So, you know, Hamburg seems like a good idea. It's later on in the year. It gives her time, good time to prep, good time to train over the summer as well. I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if we saw her get onto that card. But it, it begs the question that if people are saying there's going to be a Belfast card, do you know, then just wait for that. Do you know, like, yeah. and that's been the rumour doing the rounds for a while now, and I'd be absolutely shocked if uh, there was some, like, if that rumour hadn't been said in the gym as well. Like, do you know, like, if someone's saying, well, maybe there could be the Belfast card or that SPG don't know, maybe there is one coming up later in the year, another European date. So if I was Ashing, I'd say hold off on, on Hamburg and try to get on the Odyssey and create the phenomenal, recreate the phenomenal uh, atmosphere that she garnered from the zombie, yeah. you know, from the last time. That was, uh, someone came out to that at the weekend in Rotterdam last weekend, and I can't, mm-hmm. I think it might have been played, no, was it played in a UFC promo video? I think it was played in a promo video in the arena that night. It was definitely played at some point. Nice. Um, I think on, on our opponent, I think maybe someone... Around like Justine Keish or jo- uh, Joanna Lima, Juliana Lima, around the top top fifteen, there could be someone like that, maybe possibly. At or I A C H underscore Morgan, well Morgan's his Twitter name. Uh, can you make a prediction? Oh, he makes a prediction. Sorry, the second we stop recording, the most important MMA story of the week will break. Probably, probably. More than likely. Go on, give us two or three more so we, we well, get out of here. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to fly through them, but we have more than two or three more because we were uh, acting a bit. Not acting uh, acting the bollocks, but we were uh, giving it a lot of in-depth answers there. Will Martin, what was your take on Matt Brown's shenanigans from the weekend? Like <sighs> yeah. I said, he's trying to get fired. That's it. <laughs> That's Sean? It, yeah. uh, I, I think he's... Uh, there was uh, a thing with his coach from before and his coach attacked him and then he ran away and his other coach went it was an ex-coach that attacked him and then his current coach went and attacked the ex-coach and then I think they got him arrested and stuff you saw there was a video of a Reed Harris and stuff and he attacked him in the hotel as well yeah I think it was just a bad week for Matt Brown, <laughs> Matt Brown let's be honest uh, yeah I wouldn't, I wouldn't read too much into it at the soup lad Karen Stapleton wants to know do you think the new weight cut regulations will become mandatory in the future i.e. written into the unified rules Rules. Yeah, you know, people complain about them. There's like no way we can say within eight percent of of uh, weight uh, the week of the fight. Good. I think it should be less. I think it should, it should be like two percent. That's what I think. Make it. It'll it'll force people to go up a weight. That's what you should be doing. You know, didn't you force everyone to do it? I think that's that's a great idea. The percentage thing. Because you're force, just gonna have cuts yeah. before cuts. Exactly. Do you but know what I mean? You, you know, if you make them stay within two percent, and you can, uh, you know, you can test them at any time in the week. You know, I, I, think, I think that wouldn't happen. I think you'd have guys that wouldn't be able to fight in the UFC anymore. You'd have heavyweights that wouldn't be able to fight. They'd need to make a super heavyweight division. Yeah, maybe if they need to do that. Do it. But I think that'd be good. I think like guys who are fighting at one forty-five and who can't, you know, who are cutting loads of weight, they'll be forced to move up to one fifty-five and one fifty-five to one seventy and stuff like that. I think that's the way you should do it. Like in a perfect world, in a perfect world, we want everyone to move up one weight division. That's what we want to do to stop weight cutting. And I think that's the way you do it. 
I think that's how you do it. I think they've found, they you know they're they're almost they've almost found a way of doing it now. I think the eight eight percent is leaving it the way it is at the moment, and it's actually making it worse. But I think if you move it closer, move it like two or three percent, you're going to force people to go up a weight. Sean Denny wants to know if Tom Dukenwa gets the UFC contract. How about Brad Pickett as a debut? Poor Brad Pickett, but it yeah. looks like that's a good fight, though. That's I like a that very fight. good fight. He yeah. uh, Pickett would bring it to him, and I, to be honest, I think that would be a fight Dukenwa could take. Eamon McLean, what was your best bet of the week prediction? Because Jacques Ray only had two KOs on his record. Was was that my best? I yeah. think he said, "Yeah." Was, oh, sorry, was it your best? Probably was. Yeah, I, I got first one, time like, for everything. Like, I one more. How dare you? <laughs> Uh, Calvin Farrell wants to know who's to blame Matt Brown or the UFC insecurity although he was pissing off the fans but he was doing so to create hype and interest in his fight which was on a prelim by the way Brown and Maya was on a prelim and people were like look Maya should be on the main card Matt Brown took the matter into his own hands got a great bit of publicity last week yeah (laughs) there was no one to follow you can't you know it's it's tough to stop someone trying to belt at you as you know doing a walk he'd plenty of uh during the walk he'd plenty of uh security and stuff around him i don't think there's anyone's fault really sean osland wants to know is he the only one that would like to see maya go back up just so we could see him fight jack ray i no, would like people to see- love that i what well okay i'd like to see him fight jack ray but jesus he's a well welterweight now leave him where he is yeah let him at it uh brian mclaughlin would like to know if you could both change one mma rule and one mma rule only what would it be I'd like to see fighters be able to wear gi jackets for the laugh. <laughs> That's my rule. Um, uh, I'd take away the uh, the three-point rule when they're downed opponent where you can put a hand down and then and you're downed. I, I think that's bullshit. Actually, that brings it to an important point. Did you see the Shea Walsh KO? You might have seen actually because you were traveling and stuff. There was a fighter KO at Bama um, at the weekend and on the broadcast, they called it a legal... Blow. It was. It ended in a DQ correctly. People don't understand what a down opponent is, right? Uh, and it wasn't Shea Walsh, actually. Sorry, Shea Walsh is the guy who took him It was um, uh, Stapleton, Martin Stapleton, yeah. is it? Yeah. All right. He got kneed in the face when he was on his two knees, right? And people were saying, "Oh, he doesn't have three points down." That's not. Uh, you know, he wasn't down. He, yeah, you have what? to have three people points down. People thought that. Yeah, people thought that, and they said that on the in the broadcast. So you could be on your knees, and someone could front yeah. kick you in the face, effectively. Yeah, that's, they said it was legal on the broadcast, but it's not. Look, the rule is. If you don't have the soles of your feet on the ground, even one, if you have one finger on the ground and you're standing with the soles of your feet on the ground, that you're downed. If you've one finger down, if you've one knee down and one foot, you're down. Or if you have two knees down, you're down. The three point rule is if you have both um, soles of the feet on the floor and you have another point down. That's three points. Then, then you're down. But you don't have to have three points down. If you know, if you're on one knee, if you're if you're doing a handstand, if you're doing a handstand, you've only one point down, and it's your hand. You're down. That's down. You if you know, if you're down on one knee somehow, and all you have is one knee down, then you're down as well. You don't have to have three points down. That's not the rule. The three point rule is if you're standing on the soles of your feet. If you have three points down, you have to be down. You're obviously down. It doesn't always work if you have two points down because you can be standing on the two soles of your feet. Excellent. Two or three more to finish off and then we are out of here, Sean. Okay? Yes. Andrew H underscore 18 wants to know, how come the UFC talks so much about pay-per-view buys but nobody knows so much about them? Why is it so mysterious? Money, 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 money. Money, 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 money. They don't want people knowing how much. Dala, dala. Why do you, like, yeah. You don't want people to know that, you know? You don't want, you don't want anyone to know your business. That's, that's the way I think, Sean. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, who was next? Stephen Green and a couple of others have asked about uh, Fire Kid versus Philpot. Could it happen in Belfast or is it Dublin bound? For me, I think this is an absolutely outstanding opportunity for Alan Philpot. The, he's in the Irish Daily Mirror today. Peter Carroll had got an article in about it. This is going to be the start of his push. You know, it seems like he's really calmed down. It seems like he's mature. He was around a great group of people in Liverpool at the weekend when I was talking to him. Good training partners. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Alan Philpott has a history of being able to win fights when he's just back up against the wall and you think there's no way of him winning this fight. I think he gives Duke and Watt a very, very tough fight. Definitely the biggest opportunity of his career. Whether the result does go his way or not, because you can't deny Duke and Watt has looked phenomenal. But, do you know, I just think it is a... It, stylistically, it could be a good matchup for Philpott. Yeah, he's tough as well. Very, very tough. I think yeah, I think that's a very good fight. Uh, like, I think, obviously, I think Duke and Watt win, but I think that that's probably a fight they should put on if they can, if they can hold on to Duke and Watt. Callum Divin wants to take a moment of appreciation for your genius on Saturday, and I don't know what that genius is. Probably my bet of the week. It's All a, right, okay. well then, two last ones. Austin in charge. Austin Berger, he's a guy, a, a local blue belt from the uh, jiu-jitsu scene in Ireland. What do you think is next for Damien Maya, and do you think his style of shutting people down helps people like or dislike BJJ further? It's a difficult one because in certain... So... You know, I did the Gunnar Nelson fight, I think it helped. But the last the fight last night, I think it didn't help because I think you could tell how good Gunnar Nelson was in that fight that he was defending himself. And I know Matt Brown was defending a lot too. Just kind of sat and defended. Yeah, it took an awful long time for him to finish him, in fairness. Gunnar defended while actively trying to escape where Brown was cool with just chilling and defending. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? In that position, he's like, okay, I'm here. Let's just let him move first. Um, <laughs> also, on that, aesthetically pleasing jiu-jitsu happens in fights with guys like Tony Ferguson, Joe Lozon. Do you know what I mean? And you think like, oh, wow, that's cool to watch because it's cool, fun, scrambly, submission-based grappling. Where Damien yeah. Maia is, I'm going to absolutely take every single bit of space you have, pressure you, tap you, get up, go home, see you later. Do you know that sort of There's two different styles. Finally, to finish the show, our biggest podcast. Hold on, hold on. Oh. Someone asked. Someone asked who's going to fight next. I think you should fight Johnny Hendricks next if Johnny Hendricks beats Kelvin Gastelum. Good prediction. Yeah. Um, someone messaged us on Facebook, giving off for not messing, asking their question last week, but he didn't ask one this week. <gasps> Was it Gary Murphy? Possibly. I'm not too sure. Um, and then finally, best friend of the podcast. You know that he is uh, a long term listener, a big fan. Neil Siri MMA wants to know why did Andrew call me a cunt in the middle of my fight last weekend? <laughs> You're a bad man, Andrew. I, look, I wasn't calling him. I see you next Tuesday. I said, well, you know what I mean. It's like I. It's so hard to explain this to people. Like whenever we go over to America and we we swear yeah. quite a lot. Do you know what I mean? And I take no. Like look, we're with the guys, man. Like talk like guys. Like just we say the c word a lot. Yeah, but it's not in a bad way. It's like, are you can't you? <laughs> he's a song cunt that for that. That's, yeah, exactly. that's the best thing you can he's say about anyone. Sound cunt. He's a song cunt. Yeah, exactly. That's the greatest and compliment. If someone called me a song cunt, I'd be so <laughs> shake happy, your like, hand like thank you so much. <laughs> Jesus, give them you. an oose. Yeah. So it's like I'm saying, go on, Siri, you can't you? Like that's Siri knows that he's winding us up. He does yeah. he got those thirty favorites and one retweet for a reason? He was after <laughs> that. I'm on to you, Siri. I know your uh, game. I he know your it. game. He loves it. That series fun. I've said <sighs> he might not do nothing but listen to the CMA podcast because we had Redzer before. We the BJJ Lebowski is always on to us as well. I'd say they sit around and Team Rhino there listen to the what 
The team, I, sorry, I got another uh, question there, but we're not asking. Oh, uh, Team Rhino love the podcast. Oh, they do, They're yeah. always less. Stephen Larry has a plane in the gym right here. How oh, does he? Oh, oh, I'd say he does. I'd say he does. Io Daly's a fan. He I is. like, you know, they're, they're all at it. So we're, il- yeah. we're infiltrating that place. Stop. Um, anyway, one hour and 56 minutes in the bank. Oh, no, in Graham the words of Graham from Severe MMA, try not to go over two hours. But unfortunately, this week we just required a little bit more time. Um, Sorry once again for boring the air off you at the start of the podcast. If you were here for the MMA chat, it did come a little bit later than usual. We felt that it was absolutely imperative that we had to address the situation, to put it to bed, to move on from this completely. Because I don't think uh, I would be—I don't think a promoter will ever do something like that in Ireland yeah. again. Do you know what I mean? Because it can't be done. Do you know what I mean? Whatever you like. We've made it crystal clear. We will show people. Uh, anyway, we've, we've said enough about it, Sean. Yeah. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. If you want to get in touch with us over the next 20... No, I was going to try to think of how many hours there are in a, in a week. Is it 24 uh, by 7? Yeah, by 7, yeah. 168. 168 hours? Is that what it is? Oh, no, I uh, who cares if you want to get in touch with us anytime forget about the next seven days we want to hear from you all the time do you know what i mean and i have to say sean i need to i don't know if you um i got a message during the week from a fan of the podcast and i know we've spoken about um mental health issues on this show before but you, you already know what i'm talking about someone has reached out this is and I mean it as always, any time, if you listen to us, if you're a fan of the podcast, if we make your day that little bit better, if you listen to us on the way to work, on the way to the gym, and something is up, I swear to fuck, message us. Please, if you feel like you can talk to anyone about us, about anything that's going wrong, please message us, because our um, we are full of gratitude and appreciation for a particular message that we got during the week, and I swear to God, it made my week entirely. We are touched by the support that we get from the Irish MMA and international Irish MMA community every week. We do this, we plug away at it because we absolutely love it, and it is our full passion. And to be able to have an influence and an effect and making people's days better is exactly one of the reasons that we got into this. So an absolute shout out, a thank you, a massive, massive, massive thank you to that listener. If you want to get in touch though, as I said, anytime, he is at Sean Sheehan BA. I am at Andrew McGatton underscore. We're over on Twitter at Severe MMA Pod. Shout out to the homies at ROS Nutrition. But Sean, what are you doing? It's 10 to 8 on a Monday night. What are you doing for the week? What are you doing for the night? Oh, the barbecue's officially coming out anyway. Oh, is it? It's coming, the barbecue's coming out. It's too warm. We were giving out, I was giving out last week about the, you know, no heat wave, but the heat wave came. It was boiling for the last couple of days. The barbecue's getting fucking out. Boiling. I don't care if I have to cook Rice Krispies on it. It's coming I have bad news for you because today is the last day of sun. It's going to be uh, lashing from tomorrow to the weekend, apparently. It's coming out so before 8 o'clock. Before? There you go. Oh, sure, look. Oh, you're going to have one tonight? No, probably not. Right. <laughs> Sorry, I was excited there for a moment because yeah. my mother's away on holidays. I have to decide what I'm going to make myself for dinner now nice. before training. Pizza, I reckon. Um, probably scrambled eggs. I was... Mm. Oh, shout out one final thing. I know this podcast should have ended minutes ago, but Domino's Pizza, right? Have you ever had their nachos? 
no, oh, didn't even know that. Massively recommended starter. Mm. Okay, really, really nice. That's all I'll say on it, ladies and I, gentlemen. I have oh, a shout out. Hold on, just shout out. Shout out to Dan Stritch and and uh, Shane, Shane Heffernan. Heffernan on Snapchat. Yeah, is it? Great man. <laughs> I'm big fan. A big fan of Shane Heffernan's Lean in Fifteen Meals. Have you seen that <laughs> yeah, Snapchat story when he makes <laughs> Weetabixes? I'm a big fan of him writing severe MMA podcasts on toilets all over Dublin. Yeah, that's what that's... I'm about. Legend. Uh, I have to say, <laughs> to add us on Snapchat, please. Severe yeah. MMA on Snapchat. We are there. Yeah. We're, we both use the account. We're able to see all your stories. We're well, getting Sean more involved. As well, He's Sean Sheehan BA. I'm at Andrew McGahan on Snapchat. We uh, and they love a bit of uh, pitch and putt as well. Did you see their pitch and putt yeah. videos the other day? Yeah. Top oh no, job. I didn't. Yes, I have to look at that now. I no, the they're gone. Other. They were playing pitch and putt the other day. Yeah, and there was some oh, serious I, yeah, trash the, talk yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like they say a good player uh, looks after their clubs. It's like I'm not oh, a good yeah. player, and he fucked the club. Fucked down it away, yeah. Excellent. Right. Um, yeah. Thank you very much as always for the support. We will talk. Uh, oh, well, I do want to say we'll talk to you next week. There's a bit happening in the world of mixed martial arts this week. We'll be back next week. We'll be here for more hard hitting content, doing things the right way as always, answering your questions, telling you how much we love you, and just having a little bit of crack. But until then, see you next Tuesday.